What's up, everybody? This episode of the podcast brought to you by Pow Pow Media. Pow Pow Media is the premier video production and video marketing resource for people in DFW. They're going to create you some original video content that you can use for TV, film, internet distribution, things like that. If you're a band, a small business, or if you've got an event coming up, you need to contact them and get them to make you an extremely professional video. I had a video done about this podcast specifically, and I couldn't be happier with the outcome. They were quick. They were thorough. The, I got the product the next day. I mean, it, and it was extremely, extremely professionally done. They've been in business since 2000, over 15 years. They've done over 12,000 multimedia projects. Uh, they can do your drone footage, e-commerce videos, uh, promo for any sort of event or, or any sort of small business. Uh, they've got you covered. So you need to visit them at powpowmedia.com and tell them I sent you. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to the Slightly Chewed Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Watson, as usual with me on this episode. Uh, one of my good friends and someone I've been a fan of for a really long time, Mr. Roger Blevins of Mingo Fish Trap Greatness. Hello, everybody. How the hell are you? Doing well, man. Just uh, trying to get... Some recordings done, and uh, see that I yeah. love this room. Thanks. It's a hundred square feet of uh, of For where this. the hell did my money go? Yeah. Well, is. you can look at where all your money went because <laughs> it's all around you. <laughs> For sure. No, I love it. I have a kind of a room like this in my house. I don't have this yeah. much stuff, but man, I this is like. Well, uh, this this stuff was much more spread out uh, in its previous incarnations. When, I, when we bought this house, I had a studio. We got rid of that studio <clears throat> after a couple of years of being here, and uh, now it's all here and in the garage and in my wife's nightmares. Yeah, that's for it, sure. That's where it is. I uh, I liked your the rule that she laid down. Yeah. I imagine I'm gonna be. <laughs> employing that rule at some point pretty yeah. soon i bet yeah um so yeah so you've been playing me some stuff you've been working on and you've been working on some new mingo stuff and mm -hmm. i'm thrilled for that that last record was phenomenal thank you man appreciate and, it uh, it was a different experience for us it was on a, the first one on a label in a long time yeah and uh you know there i mean i love the guy at the label uh a guy named Jimmy Auble mm -hmm. that um that runs it and he's a fantastic guy and that was the reason why we tried it you know because it's 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 difficult to try to like sit down and with a piece of paper right. and a calculator and figure out what at what point does it become you know useful to have eight people that you're kind of keeping on a, on a paycheck involved and you know and um, I don't really know financially if it was but certainly it was a great experience and it, you know, learned a lot, so. But and it turned into a really, really great record. Thanks, man. Appreciate I uh, I've enjoyed. I've been listening to you guys since literally since 1999. I remember uh, what was the restaurant on the corner of University and 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 uh, it was like a double decker restaurant with a stage. in Fort Worth. No, in Denton, on the corner because that's where I grew up in Denton, which is where you guys got started. Uh, I don't remember the name of the restaurant. If you're going down <laughs> University. Yeah, and you it's on the left hand corner when you get to Maine or whatever street that Man. was where that Kroger is. Anyway, this <laughs> restaurant I remember we used to, I used to see you in there inadvertently, you guys, and oh yeah, then you moved away. And right, then we caught yeah. back up years later when yeah. I threw this band together that I had. And, yeah. So it's been fun those watching. Good, those are good days, man. Denton, those, I'm Denton. I, you know, I mean, not to not sound like an old fuck, but 
uh, that was a really fertile time yeah. for Denton. I mean, it was really fertile. Like it, the, oh, yeah. the two years before we were there, when '89, we're I'm right off the bat. I'm, I don't know how that I'm ancient, <laughs> but in '89, they I was still in high school, and they got uh, a Grammy nomination for Chick Corea tune that the one o'clock had done. Yeah. So the school got a Grammy nod. Yeah. And that brought in just a ton of talent. Like, you know, they, they it really put them in a spotlight, a national spotlight. And so, and not that, not that they hadn't already had that kind of talent. Well, I was going to ask if it was like that before or not. Well, yeah, you know, it was the, St- it's the Stan Kenton. It's where he kind of laid his ground on Leon Breed and all this. It was a big jazz school. And I've never been a, Right. Jazz guy. It was never. It wasn't my background. I didn't know too much about it. I just knew that if I could understand that, right, I could communicate much sure. more effectively. Yeah. And but you know, through going there, I certainly got a new appreciation for it. But it was so. The, the, I I took it all for granted because yeah. I just figured this is what it's like. Right. This is what it's like when you go to school. These this, these amazing. And oh, now yeah. Keith Carlock. Like you can look at oh, yeah. especially with drummers. Nora I don't know Jones. why. Just unbelievable amount of people yeah. in the national spotlight now that were. Either there when I got there, or you know, came through. The Snarky Puppy guys were like the last when we left. They were just getting started. Yeah, and yeah. Um, those guys became pretty good friends yeah. of mine too because yeah. I was they're closer to my age. Yeah, they're fantastic guys. Mike's Mike's a genius, and um, I, there's no words to describe what goes on inside that guy's head. Dude, it's it's really the, he's so prolific. I mean, yeah. the the amount of material, the amount of you know, just just work. Because yeah. there's really no sure, even if you, even if you're Mozart and you just see it all, yeah. you still got to put it. You have to input it somewhere. Oh, you have yeah. to write it down or you have to type it in. It's an amazing amount of work. I'm, I'm, and I mean, not to even talk about the quality of it. Just the right. quantity is one. You know, both, both are very impressive to me. Yeah. And we'll run into them every now and then at a, a festival, whatever. And it's really cool to see those guys doing so well. And of course, there's, it, it really breathed like a whole. There's a whole community. Oh, absolutely. From that, from that absolutely. success. It's lovely. It's it's crazy to see that progression because in the same way that I, I watched you guys progress from a, from much uh, much of a distance because I was uh, younger, but I got to see the progression of that band a little more up front because they're yeah, in they're my there. generation. Yeah, and I you know I would go see them from the very beginning when Steve Pruitt was playing with them. Yeah, it was a very different and band. It was totally different. Way there were two or three different incarnations of that mm-hmm. band before what you have now. Right, right. And a lot of people don't know that and I'm not any kind of crazy hipster <laughs> to think that I'm cool as I know that, but I was there. Yeah, it's cool. And it so is cool to see. It was co- really cool to watch and and then when they put out that that uh the family right. dinner, dinner and all yeah. that stuff, yeah. it's just you really realize the reach of what they were doing at that yeah. point. And I didn't realize it cause I think I was too close to it. Cause I'm sure. friends with those guys, you know, Mark Letiri is a great yeah. friend of mine yeah. and, and all of those dudes. And I, and then you go, Oh, well they've got multiple Grammys now and nominations. <laughs> right. And you're like, okay, that's, that's real thing. Yeah. And, yeah. You know what I mean? I talked to Mark, you know, and, and we're, we'll just talk about whatever. And I'll jump on his Instagram he's great, page. He's great, by the way. And he's unbelievable. Dude, I don't really... I'm nerdy guitar stuff is not usually my bag, but his melodic sense... It's crazy. And, his, and the arrangements and everything are just... They're just it's good music, man. He does it... He's He understands music from a very, very tasteful place. From a listener's perspective. Yes. That's... A, you have... If you don't do that, screw you. And yeah, and from <laughs> and for him to be such a... And I hate... I'm, I'm going to use this word, and I know that he's not going to like it, yeah. but for him to be such a shredder... <laughs> Yeah. The way that he is, yeah. and I mean that as as oh, he's as got mad endearingly facility. as yeah. possible, yeah. But to be so tasteful about it is just that's so rare. Yeah, I think that's why people have latched onto him so so much. Well, I think it's those guys who realize that to play, to play something that's you know quote unquote simple with finesse 
and right in the pocket is just as difficult. Absolutely. I mean, it really is. Absolutely. Even technically, you know, yeah. like there's, there's a lot to, to when you have it right where you want it. I'm, 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 that was never something that really, I mean, when I was really young, I listened to like Satriani and I, you know, of like, course, you know, everybody, everybody goes, did goes through that crack. And not that it's bad. I'm sure there's people that hear this that, that like them. That they're great. They're phenomenal. Well, I went through some of that. Yeah. But then I moved right back into soul music. And so it was never real. I was never going to be that guy. I, right. I don't have the facility I don't technically either. to be that guy. I don't no. think, I, you know, even if I was willing to sit down and practice for 12 hours a day, like some of these cats did, obviously, to get where they are. You'd have to <laughs> to get to that point. But I, I respect the hell out of it. And, you know, especially if it's if that's your voice, if that's right. what you do, then... Right. Um, having all that facility. You know, I think most of the guys that I know, like, you know, Carter Arrington, who's here in town. Have you met him? Uh, I know the name. I don't know. Fantastic guitar player. Same kind of dude. Just facility is out of this world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you should, if you're posting this, you put a link up to some of his stuff because he's, he's also a great teacher has some great, uh, online things, but yeah, same thing. Great player, but great, just tasty, you know, just like one little, one little, pull off you're like oh yeah that's pr- it's it's crazy pr- yeah and it, it makes a huge difference man i think I, I think again it's just you're approaching it from uh a listener's perspective right you're approaching it the same way you would if you're writing a speech or if you were speaking publicly you know they, if you I, I i try to think about that when we're performing uh or when you know or when we're recording um recording's easier because now anyway for me because you play it i play it back immediately i'll, I'll record a phrase right or a part right and you hear it back five seconds later yeah. and you, as a listener you're literally the listener right in a performance aspect you know it's, it's a little more difficult to sure on stage that. yeah but but if you approach it like you're giving a speech and is this going to be an effective form of communication or am i just pulling out the biggest words i know right you know that that's that's a great analogy for any of you younger listeners, I know that a lot of my former students, I quit teaching a couple of years ago, are have become old enough that, to listen and understand yeah. to these podcasts. And, and I, I used to preach that, that there's a difference between being a guitar player and a musician. Yeah, absolutely. Mus- all, all musicians play some instrument, be it right. voice or anything like that, but not all... instrumentalists are musicians. And I, and I say that thinking about going back to Joe Satriani, I'm not a huge fan. I appreciate it. And I respect what he does. I saw, I saw him live about a year ago and I wanted to leave. (laughs) I didn't like it because it was just the same thing the whole time. And he's just, he's going for it from, from second one. Yeah. And it, it was just, it got old after a while. Sure. So I used to try to impart that onto my students and I don't think they got it until they, and you you would see when they got it. Well, I think that it's all legitimate, but my, and it's funny. I don't mean to be, I'm not ragging on Joe Satriani. He's amazed a thousand Un- times a player. I've ever, but, but I'll say this, player. I will say this, you know, if you, if you put uh, him and, and Vi and other guys like that in a pool and you start thinking about them as a, and this is a, this is a bad word, I guess, but a commodity, both mu- a musical commodity and an entertainment commodity. Vi is the guy, right? Because he's entertaining as shit. Absolutely. He, he, he understands the visual element that goes along with yes. it. And that's why I think, in addition to his amaz- amazing ability, he's, he's been so successful because he understands. Yeah. You, I don't care. You can be Jeff Beck. It doesn't matter. You cannot separate the, the visual image that somebody has of you and, 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 the, and, what that, and all the things that that, you know, um, the, all the pl- different places that goes... Some are not. Some are not kind. Right. 
from the get-go. Right. From the moment, I, the, my idea of who Steve Vai was when I was 12 years old is the exact same idea I have right now. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, and it never, it, it's never really been changed. There's very few artists, I think, that ever got a second chance to make a new impression. No. There's a couple. He learned from the best. Oh, Mr. Though. Zappa? Yeah. Yeah. So he had a pretty aggressive introduction to, Absolutely. Yeah. to Stunt that. Stunt guitarist. Yeah. Yeah, that was his, that was his designation. Really? Yeah, stunt, I didn't know stunt that. Stunt guitarist, yeah. Does that mean he wasn't plugged in, or what does that mean? It just means that he was the guy that played the fancy, funny oh, stuff. Oh, right, yeah. okay. And he did. And I think he understood that, though, but because of that introduction. I don't think, yeah. it's like, again, I, I'm not trying to shit on uh, Joe Satriani either, because right. what he's done for music is amazing, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I appreciate it. But it's a sure. different, it is a different thing. I don't think he ever got that, that introduction, right. that showmanship introduction. Sure. Which, which in my mind, is 50%. It, the, the music is 50%, unless you're a musician's musician, which is a t- right. totally different phylum. Yeah, we could talk about studio players, and it wouldn't come into play. Right. But if he's out there touring, right. you're an entertainer. You're it's an entertainer, of, yeah. and that's what I think a lot of live musicians don't understand. I hear a lot of people uh, dumping on a lot of musicians yeah. locally, especially, well, that guy's not very good. Why has he got so many fans? It's because he puts on a great show, yeah. and people want to go see him again it's an event man it is look you know what no one gives a shit no no one gives a shit if you can if you can sing this riff or play this lick unless you're making a connection right and i do i'll be frank i i when i was in college and probably before that when i when i started fancying myself as a musician this is what i'm gonna do with my life i'm gonna try to be a you know whatever yeah um i probably talked a lot of shit you know at the time britney spears and those kind of people but i'm gonna tell you something my my attitude on that has changed all the way around. Yeah. Because I could never do what those people do. I could never dance like that. I could never entertain that way. I could never make that sort of connection. And so, you know, there, who am I? Who am I to make that kind of call? And I'll tell you right now, you want a perfect fucking, you know, uh, crossroads of both those things? Watch the Justin Timberlake movie. I've watched it recently, <laughs> Dude, and it is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Those guys are playing their asses off. Every He's single one singing of them. his ass off. Yes. And they're doing, you know an amazing amount of dancing and visual stuff that's yeah. it's fantastic. That I mean, light show alone oh yeah. is, is Dude, I'm all about the lights. Unrivaled. I'm a, I'm a dude in his 40s. I, yeah. need, I need lights <laughs> yeah. and smoke and fall. Someone told me that Justin Timberlake uh, uh, saw a fish show. Oh, yeah? And then went and, and went, I want the guy that did that right? to Matt, do yeah, this I, show. I, yeah, I wouldn't For that it. specific Concert? Uh, video. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah like yeah. I need that guy because that guy gets it. Whatever right. he's doing, I was so amazed by that DVD because he had the band like big band style behind mm-hmm. the little yeah. things, and they were on risers that were going up and down. Yeah. And Justin Timberlake had thirty feet of stage in front of him yeah. and a hundred feet either way. Right, blank canvas. And really. he was all over it. Yeah, dude. and never. And you would think that that would get boring yeah. after a while, but it's he is nah. he has such a mastery of his craft. Dude, the he. The, the arrangements, I mean, like he, to me, and this is, this is probably very akin to like, I don't know, I, probably some of our, both of our favorite artists currently, like Alan Stone Absolutely. and his band and all the, you know, the stuff like Lettuce and, and, uh, and maybe the snarky stuff too. I haven't really seen them live lately enough to, to know, but I, I can say for the, for the Alan Stone stuff and for Tingsec. Uh, if those of you who don't know Tingsek, he's amazing. Unbelievable yeah, amazing. record he just put yeah, out. Yeah, and but when you watch him live, uh, in any capacity, the arrangements already changed. Right, and it and it's probably twofold. I mean, be, being a guy, you know, being someone who has who has horns and all that stuff, like you, you probably have to change the arrangements somewhat to work just yeah. musically because right. you're not going to have all those tracks. You're not going to have you know unless you're running tracks, which most of us aren't 
super fond of doing all the time for right. a lot of reasons. But uh, but the arrangements that when I saw the JT thing, I'm, you know, I'm immediately I'm, I don't know the songs that well from the record, right. but you can tell just by you know having been that, in that position. Well, not in front of twenty five thousand people every night, but in that <laughs> position of being on stage and that they were changing stuff up. Yeah. Because it worked so well live. Right. These hits and these, yeah. you know, like, let's repeat that section, let's break. Yeah. But also, what struck me immediately is that it looked like the whole show was from that same perspective. Yeah. You know, like, it was it was put together from that same, like, we're going to try this thing, and, and let's not harp on, if it doesn't work, then fucking just move on. Do something else. Right. And that's I think that's a big problem i think with musicians in general it's definitely a big problem for me yeah and, it, and it's and it's and i still have a problem with it like you know trying to force something to work because either you put so much time into it or because you um you think it ought to you know from some right from some you know intellectual some position ego it i, I for, for me what i'm trying what i've been trying to do lately and part of it's because of the recording setup and having a little more ease in that department is it just, you just don't force it. Right. Just you, you have the option and th that goes for writing or arrangement for live or putting a show together. Like just, you, you're probably better off to try something else. And, yeah. and, it, and if you end up circling back around to something that didn't work the first time and you approach it from some different perspective and now it works great. But I, you know, man, people that I, I, I talk with people that are starting out like singer songwriters that are, you know, that they know a handful of chords and whatever, and they're, they're just forcing these certain things um, musically and they just don't, they just don't work. Yeah. I've, I've toyed with that idea for sure uh, of, of newer people. And I try really hard not to discourage people yeah. from, from doing that, from learning a few chords and then jumping into sure. songwriting oh, yeah. because everyone's got to start somewhere. Absolutely. But I don't think there's a value in learning your craft as much as there was maybe when we were younger, when we were kids. Oh, no. yeah, well, right. I know a handful of people up in Fort Worth where there's a lot, a lot of country music for sure. And uh, they're people that I really like, but they it's have, a limited vocabulary. They have only been playing guitar for X amount of time, and yeah. they've only been they've only written five or six songs, right. and and they think that they have they found the formula and they've right. made it. Yeah. And then you go, okay, well, what about this? All right. You know, and they yeah. go, well, I don't need that. I've already like I'm already here. And they might not. They might not. And then they may end up being more successful than me and I'll have to eat my own hat. Well, I but, think that, I mean, but one is not, one has no relationship to the other. I mean, you know, I know that you have the same kind of fondness for Stevie Wonder that I do yeah. in, in like his harmonic, you know, lexicon and, and the way that he would craft a song and arrange a song. But there are very few people that have been able to have that wide of a vocabulary and popular music and, and, and be successful. Absolutely. I mean, very, very, I can't even... Steely Dan, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah, and and certainly not now. Uh, I, I, you know, not on that scale of success. Right. But you don't, you don't have to. No. If you're looking for pop mainstream success, the <laughs> talking about your chord structure and you know secondary dominance is a very, very small <laughs> part of that yeah. you know world. Yeah. I mean, you have to. I, we, we, I'm sure we both know people that are you know, either playing with stars or have come on to become star, like legitimate yeah. pop stars and yeah. rock stars and country stars. And none of the ones that I can think off the top of my head, who I will not mention by name, no. have much of a vocabulary no. in terms of that. Like that wasn't, it was never, it wasn't necessary. No. They, they, there was a lot of parts to that. To that uh, formula is an overused term. It is a certain job. Right. I was never going to be that guy. I'm not pretty enough. 
I didn't have you got a fresh haircut. Voice. I don't know. <laughs> but and I'm not young, and certainly at this point I'm not young enough. I mean, you'd be you'd be a fool to put money on someone like me, and I mean not just me, but anyone that's forty something and you know been playing for twenty. You'd be a fool to invest that they're going to be the next big thing. Right. You'd be a fool to invest it. I mean, I hate to say this, but there's a there's a visual element. If you want to be a rock star, you get a membership at the gym, and yeah. you and you learn how to sing well. You know, you learn how to sing. Uh, right where you need to sing on the mm-hmm. pitch, but you don't. How many pop songs really have anything musically going on that's um, terribly complex? And, and that's not a knock. I like no. a lot of pop music. No, it's just they know what their demographic is. Yeah, and I venture to say that ninety nine percent of the population, general population, doesn't know anything about music. No, and that's what makes Stevie Wonder so brilliant. Yeah, because no one knew then. Yeah, but he was able to deliver that stuff in a way that. They never thought twice about it. Superwoman, dude, that was a that was like a legitimate. I don't know where it ended up on the charts, but I don't know how many song, how many times that changes key. And it's not like a, a key shift. No. It just literally, you yeah. know, he's able. I mean, and that, he does it musically. Yeah, and it doesn't feel weird, and he's not right. turning people off. Yeah, I always thought that same thing Amazing. about John Mayer. Absolutely. When I was when I when John Mayer first came about, what was it? Just right around two thousand. Or so when that first record came out, Room for Squares. I got the book, the guitar book, mm-hmm. and I was in high school. Yeah, and I someone gave it to me for my birthday or something for that Room for Squares book. Yeah, yeah. And I was looking at these chords, going, I don't know what any of these chords. Are. <laughs> this yeah. is pop music. This yeah. is he's just singing about girls and yeah. love, add and, nines and elevens, all and, that stuff, yeah. and crazy, crazy bridges. Oh yeah. But when you listen to him, you don't even realize any of that's happening. He right. figured out how to bridge that gap, and I've always had a very healthy respect. For John Mayer because of oh, that. Oh yeah, man. Absolutely. And, then, and that I think I held him to a really high standard and uh, and Continuum came out and it blew my mind oh, yeah. and Battle Studies was good. Mm-hmm. And then he started getting into the singer-songwriter stuff sure. and he dumbed himself down because I think he felt like that's where music was headed at the time. I don't know. I mean, Mumford I, I, and Sons and all that maybe. stuff. And I, he seemed like he was trying to tap into that market Possibly. and he quit doing what he was doing before. Yeah. And it kind of bummed me out. I didn't really care for the Born and Raised record. I didn't really care for it. It wasn't it, my thing either, but I, I, don't, I don't know that he... I mean, I don't know. You know who knows? Yeah, you hear I mean, stories about people that uh, yeah. we know that know him and like in his uh, things that he said. But I, and now he's, now he's Grateful Dead, yeah. Dead and Friends or yeah. whatever. Well, he just put out a new single, and it yeah. sounds like 2003 John Mayer. And yeah. I love it. It's yeah. a great single. Well, I think, I think The Continuum is one of the best records of the last 20 years. Absolutely. I mean, for a lot of different reasons. You know, it's just a great record because there's so few records, like albums, I guess, right. that I mean, there's just so few. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, they're probably a bunch and there's so much more music now that I certainly don't, you know, but from, from the stuff that come, has come across my plate, uh, you know, I can, I could probably sit down and, and figure out maybe 10 records in 10 years that I feel are great albums. Right. You know, way through. Top to bottom. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, you know. Uh, not, I'm not dating myself back to the sixties or anything. I, I was born in 73. And so I grew up on cassettes, right. you know, a lot more than I did on records. Um, but by the same token, you, you don't, you know, forwarding and rewinding a cassette suck balls. So, <laughs> yeah. really, you know, yeah. so you listen to the album yeah. uh, more, more times than not, you know, you didn't buy, no one bought cassette singles. I don't right. care what anybody right. tells you. That didn't happen. <laughs> and, um, I caught the tail end of the cassette world. Yeah, dude. Oh, dude. I mean, we, Actually, the very first thing that Mingo ever, uh, we didn't release it, but we, the first thing we ever did where we were trying to, you know, get a deal or whatever it was, was a cassette. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, so, it sucks. So I would love to hear that. I don't even, I don't know if, it, <laughs> if I have a copy anymore, but um, 
it's just like the process of trying to make a cassette sound anything like because you know and at that time the, the the real the real kicker was if you went to if you got you know had enough bread to go to the studio in 19 not even in 95 or 96 or whatever we started kind of messing around in college um recording wise you probably recording we're recording on like a legit two inch oh yeah so you were getting immediate gratification about how awesome everything sounded compared to what you probably had heard before you know four track cassette recorders and all right. that shit um so you would hear this glorious sound with this amazing dynamic range and then you have you have to put that on cassette yeah like the worst medium ever yeah, absolutely ever i have a question i guess speaking to that yeah. i was talking with someone recently who was about to put out a record mm -hmm. and he told me that he did three mixes yeah. he did a, a itunes mp3 mix mm -hmm. he did a vinyl mix and sure. he did a cd mix uh -huh. or master i'm yeah, sorry yeah. right right for, for each one and he mastered them all differently hmm. per medium Sure. Have you ever messed around with anything like that? Because well, it made a lot of sense when he explained it to me. Yeah, I don't know. Between between iTunes and CD, I, you know, I I can see. I, I don't know what his reasoning was. I can see why there would be one. I've never done two sets of masters for, for CD and iTunes. I can see, though, that why you would. I mean, iTunes, man, you know, that the whole streaming and downloading world where people are, are listening to mixes in real time, you know, you're kind of like, you're competing in real time for that person's 99 cents or that person's right. 1199 or whatever it is. Uh, you know, whether or not you, you like it and, and most musicians probably would say they don't, but you're kind of a victim of the volume wars. You know, if yeah. you if your shit is, is coming in, you know, at a much lower RMS, uh, you know, level, mm -hmm. it's going to sound not as exciting right. as the next thing. And that, that's, a, you know, we shouldn't have to necessarily think that much about it, but if you release, you know, stuff you do. So I, I can see the, I mean, vinyl for sure, because vinyl has a different whole, like physically, right. it can't handle the same kind right. of stuff. Yeah. And, and he said he had to duck a lot of the bass out. Yeah, well, at that, and you have to take a lot of the bass out of the out of the pan. Right. You have, you have to center it, or, you know, you have the, I mean, it depends on how, it depends on what you're trying to, you're trying to get onto a record. Sure. It, it's beyond my thing. Like if, the next thing that we do, we're definitely going to put on a vinyl and to, and I'll, I will let somebody else tell me what I need to do and then what they need to do. And right. I'll, and I'll probably have, I will send my masters and probably pre masters to a guy that's, you know, or a girl that's just doing uh vinyl masters. Cause that, that is a, that's a lost, well, it was a lost art form. He's coming back now, but yeah, yeah there's mechanical issues, which is cool. Dude, those yeah. having limitations is one of the coolest things for a creative person. Yeah. It really is, man. And I and I I kind of lament the fact that for most of my music making days, it's been pretty like there haven't been that many limitations. What I what I can, you know, you've had Pro Tools and all that crap since I mean, I had an ADAT, a couple of ADATs way earlier, but even that was like you can pretty much do it all. And that that takes a lot of like creative problem solving. You yeah. know, the Beatles and, 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 and Stax and Motown and Muscle Shoals and all the early studios, they had to creatively solve these issues, and they usually did it in a way that now that becomes what we consider the sound. Right, right. And that's, um, so, and you know, th that, it's funny, because that's been, like, over and over again in the last couple months, that's been the theme. I keep on seeing this video on Facebook and and. Instagram, I can't. I don't know who it is. I really, I should look the guy's name up. Some old cat. He's got to be a like some kind of philosopher or scientist or something. And he sure. tells. He's, he, I'm sure people will know what I'm talking about. Is he talking about a lobster? 
You know, have you seen this video? I have not. He's like, so a lobster, you know, has a shell. And this is a terrible paraphrase. <laughs> lobster has a shell and the, you know, the shell doesn't grow. It's uh-huh. just, and the lobster is continuing to grow inside the shell and it, and it gets uncomfortable. It gets, you know, I don't know if there's pain, but it gets uncomfortable. Goes under a rock, sheds a shell, grows a new one, comes out. Shell, now the new shell fits. Yeah. Continues to grow. Gets uncomfortable, goes under a rock, sheds a shell. So the moral of the story is it, the main, you know, uh, force for growth, the thing that allowed the, the growth is being uncomfortable and you know, having limitations. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for that, man. And people that I really respect, Pat Metheny did a clinic when I was in school. And the one thing that I remember, aside from him coming out with a McDonald's bag, which was the most baller <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> But dude, like it, it was in it. His, oh, yeah, dude, yes. Like he was just waiting his to be breakfast. Done. No, dude. Okay, <laughs> so we were at UNT in the in the in the main. Um, well, I, this is before they had their you know the the turtle looking right. things in the music building. There's a hall that holds I don't even know how many people, probably fifteen hundred or something like that. Uh-huh. And most of the time, those clinics were in a smaller like a, a recital hall because right. you know there'd be four hundred people and that even for like national arts. But this required that we move that they moved because yeah. everybody in their mom, Pat yeah, because Pat Metheny, and so we're all it's full, and I mean it's full, full fifteen, however many thousand people that that place holds, yeah, or hundreds, I don't know, you know, my memory may be bigger than reality, but people in the aisles, people along against the walls, and we're just waiting and waiting and waiting, and he walks on stage with literally with a McDonald's bag and McDonald's cup. <laughs> With his breakfast in it, like he didn't expect anybody to be in the room. That's literally like, oh, you guys are, are here. Cool. Oh, it was hysterical. Like the classic cheesy comedian, yeah. like, oh, I didn't see you there. Absolutely. But for real. Did he like, eat it? He did. In it was front, before oh, he yes. played. While he was talking, while he was talking. That's amazing. It, wasn't a, it was a clinic, not a performance. So he didn't even have a guitar. He, <laughs> he had to borrow somebody's guitar to, to pl- demonstrate something. But one really cool thing that I remember specifically from that clinic was he was, you know, Somebody asked him about composition, you know, not so much about guitar playing and about, you know, soloing or, or this or that. It was just about writing because this mm-hmm. was right after uh, what's the what's the first like really world sounding album he had. Mm. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it was really hot. Like it yeah. had come out a year before and everybody at school, you know, knew this record. It was, you know, very much like the new fusion kind of sure. thing. It was much more of a world sound than just, you know, cheese. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, than standard Pat McKinney. He said, you know, you, he said the same kind of thing. He's like, you, you, if you, limitations are sometimes very healthy. And he, I, if my memory serves correctly, and you could probably look this up if you were at UNT, um, he would flip, he would flip a few coins on the, up in the air on the piano and wherever they landed on those keys, those were, those were like three notes that he would use for his melody. And he'd have Whoa. to choose those three in whatever order he could find and find the right changes to fit around that melody. Just any limitation you can say, okay, this is going to be the challenge that I have to. That's mind-blowing to even consider I, doing that. And, let me, and putting it on a record and selling a million of them. Oh, yeah. And being like the most successful jazz yeah, artist of our time. Geez. Yeah, Well, I think that it's just, it allows something, there's something creatively, I think, that happens. I mean, like there's a, chemical reaction and i really really am big on this uh in my personal life like two years ago um 
this is connected to this, so forgive the story, but like two years ago, uh, in Austin, it's, it's very it's strange. It's a strange scene here, and maybe other places too, but band people, band guys like myself, there's no real uh, solid connection socially in the scene to most of the singer-songwriter folks who are like, you know, more like the folk festival type, right. even if they have bands, even if they play the clubs and stuff, it's, it's kind of a separation, right. which kind of blows because there's amazing things happening on that front in this, in this town. So sure. I, I had seen a couple guys that were kind of new to that scene, um, a guy named Tom Meany and there's a guy named Ray Prim who, who's been doing it for a while here and we've become pretty good friends and Ray was a part of a group with Bob Schneider that uh, they had this game. They would meet once a week, and some they would have a phrase. Somebody would be in charge of bringing a phrase in, mm-hmm. and they would uh, everybody in the room would have to write a song with that phrase in it. And it was that was pretty much it. You know, like two minute, two minutes at least. Right. Had to have some sort of accompaniment. Right. And you came back in the next week and you played it for everybody, and that was the game. Yeah. Whoever. I remember getting emails about that. Yeah. Whoever doesn't do it, you know, gets kicked out. Yeah. Literally, if you don't come back the next week. And yeah. So there's one person left and you're just in a room by yourself and you win, apparently. Well. But that, so now, so, so Ray took that idea and made it virtual. Uh, well, I, don't, I guess Ray did it. I don't, I don't really know who, who started it. This is a few years ago. And did the same kind of thing. So he reached out, email list, you know, people that he knew, songwriters, and, <clears throat> and said, you know, this is, here's the rules if you want to sign up. And so we'd send in songs every week. And it's the same kind of thing, man. I, I did it because I didn't feel productive at the time, and I just needed some kind of peer pressure, yeah. even a small amount of peer pressure, to yeah. make me write something every week. Even if it was just shit, even if it was total crap. Right. Just, just to do something. But I'll tell you what happened. For me, that little prompt, that phrase, almost every week, and, and I didn't think this was going to happen, that prompt made it for me. Because instead of just going, okay, just total blank canvas. I got to write some shit today. Right. Be a, I'm today. I'm I'm being a professional songwriter. Instead of that, that for, and it could be nothing. It could be like you know, margarine. It could right. be one some you like what? The, but immediately, almost every time, immediately when I look at that phrase, something would pop in my head. Yeah. Some story or some hmm. line, and within two hours, I'd have the better part of, of a song that I didn't hate almost every week. Yeah. And it was because it was, there was a limitation. It was a small limitation. You right. know, it, it didn't require me to do anything particular. But there was some sort of thing that I wrote around. Yeah. And when you came in, I was working on this you know, kind of Motown-sounding thing that's more or less it's, it's for a paycheck. Yeah. You know, there's sure. a, companies that buy stuff that sounds a certain way. But it's a fantastic way to get inspired. I know that it needs to sound like a, a 60 soul track. I love 60 soul. Yeah. Awesome. So it, it, it's not second guessing yourself a thousand times. Right. Most of what's there has to be in that realm. You know, I'm not going to play something this, I'm not going to try to throw some crazy changes in it that have nothing to do with Motown. Right. You know, there's a certain uh, vocabulary that I'm going to stick to. Yeah. Dude, that mode of artistry can be incredibly helpful. I mean, I know people, there's some people probably disagreeing think that it's you know it's not necessarily 100 percent original to work within those kind of things but i think having some limitations whether they're technical limitations or whether they're you know f- something you force yourself into this you know in this one box can be extremely helpful you know there's nothing that says you can't exit that when you need to of course but it's if you're having a writer's block or or if you're just feeling unproductive which is a lot of time that's my, my thing you know i i've 
most artists I know struggle with money and all that stuff. That's 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 life. But I get really frustrated when I'm not productive. When right. I don't. When I, two weeks have gone by and I haven't written anything that I like, or I haven't recorded anything that I feel good about, or I haven't mixed something the correct way. That that gets me into a pretty deep funk. You yeah. Know? So that little songwriter group, I did. I've done it. I'm still, you know, that's off and on for two and a half years, and I've written way more tunes yeah. in those two and a half years than, than probably I ever have in my life. Yeah. Full tunes. Yeah. Well, I don't so. think people realize that songwriting as a, as a craft is exactly that, mm-hmm. is you have to work on it, and it doesn't all have to be good. No. I think people are too afraid of, of failing. Right. When you're learning how to do something, it's inevitable that you're going to fail. Yeah. And you have to accept that, and you have to relish the fact that this is going to be bad, and then I'm, the next one's not going to be as bad. And then 50 of them later, it's going to be even, you might even have something that goes on a record. Right. I don't think people realize that songwriting is exactly like learning how to play the piano yeah. or any of that. You have to hone it in like a craft. Oh, I yeah. think that, that, that the catalyst of being given a phrase or given an idea takes that initial two hours of staring at the wall, <laughs> yeah. which I know I do often. Yeah. yeah. And it takes that away. And like you just said, it gives you this, it gives you, it just gives you something to start building off of. When you said margarine a second ago, whether or not that was even ever one of them, like I could probably spend five minutes and come up with some kind of tagline for that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that would align with my musical tastes. Right. And so I think that's, that's a fantastic idea that definitely it's like throwing, you know, throwing a, a, someone in the water who doesn't know how to swim. Like they'll figure it out. Yeah. But yeah. they're not going to do it by themselves. They're not going to jump in. Right, right. You know that's, what I mean? That's right. They have, there has to be, yeah, that having, I mean, probably if you're, if you're, you know, more than 13 years old, maybe some people that are younger than that, you probably have the emotional uh, content, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, the, and the, the actual vocabulary to be able to craft a lyric that you'll care about. Mm-hmm. That's really, at the end of the day, that's all I get, you know. If you care about it if, yeah. it, if it connects, if you can connect with it, that's really all that matters. Yeah. I mean, really, because again, you could write, you could think you have a hot, the, the next hit song and it could do shit. Yeah. You can't write. I mean, I love pop music. I'll, I'll write a pop song because I like to write it. But if you think about chasing some other thing, it's, that's dumb. But, but yeah, you're right. Having somebody say, hey, today we're going to write a song that we're going to pitch to Katy Perry. Right. Automatically, you're already thinking, what right. does she sound like? Yep. How, how is this constructed? And in, yep. in an hour, you've got a concept. Right. And, and man, if you, if you choose your favorite, you know, five artists and you spend a month every day just alternating between those five artists, go, for, you can't copy those guys. You mm-hmm. can, no one can. You can't. I mean, you, you know, you could have the same chord structure and you could, you could sing the same melody on a page, but man, you're not going to sound, I'm not going to sound like Stevie Wonder. I'm not going to sound like Bill Withers. I, I'm not going to sound like any of those cats. Right. It's going to change dramatically the feel of the tune just because of the voice that's on it. You know, yeah. even if you could, you could pull, you could pull a Motown track, right. you know, stems off the internet. And if you sing on it, it's going to change the feeling that that has probably for the worst. Cause you just never do that. <laughs> right. Cause I heard one of these yesterday is why I'm thinking about oh, it. Somebody, no. oh yeah, somebody. Was it a Michael McDonald does soul record? No, no, no. Because... This was worse. This was just some cat, like, you know, no one that just a guy at home that pulled down some Marvin uh. Gaye stems, like the real <laughs> oh, stems man. and then replaced the voice. Uh. Like, why would you do that? That's not a good idea. No, it was terrible idea but i will say this the moment that he started singing i didn't even recognize the track oh wow you know he, and he wasn't a terrible singer but it changed the vibe of the whole thing so much just and that was the same exact song right. the same exact writing right so when you sit down and you you know i don't 
I don't know that you should try to mimic something. I, I never sit down with, a, with an intention to mimic something, but probably, I don't know if you have this kind of same, um, in, my, in, in our band, if something doesn't have a title yet or we're not there yet, we just have a groove or whatever, something, we'll say something like the Stevie song, you know, like we'll, yeah, we'll call course. it something that, oh, it, yeah. that it likened. But by the time it's done, 99% of the time, it doesn't, no one would jump to that conclusion like, like oh you you right. copied such and such right. but sometimes it really i mean if that's what inspired you uh if you can if you can you know for me i i want i, I love making soul music i i love that element even if it's a pop album a record a pop yeah. song trying to work some of that stuff into it um is fun for me you know that's part of the part of the fun of making a, a song writing a tune so i don't think there's anything wrong with that that approach it won't always be that some days you'll have your heart broken and you won't need any kind of inspiration at all. You'll sure. go in and you'll, you'll play three chords and it'll be perfect. Like, listen here, bitch. Yeah. But, um, what, okay. I'm going to take you down a road that I know was very inflammatory for you when it mm. happened. And so I'm going to enjoy, Uh-oh. I feel like, uh, your response <laughs> to this, uh, when Pharrell got sued, yeah. you took a stance that I wholly agreed with. Uh, there, when that whole thing happened, I didn't really know how to feel yeah. because I didn't know enough about. In case the, somebody wasn't following, this is when he got sued by Marvin Gaye's estate. Yes. Yeah. Over the song, um, what was the song? Is it Happy? No, it was the one right before that. Um. Oh, and it had it was the, a, it was it, a Robin Thick thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It had Robin Thick. And uh, anyway, while you're finding that, yeah. I didn't really know how to feel about it because it, I, I caught the vibe. And I thought that when I heard it, but I didn't believe that it was, it wasn't sampled. Blurred lines. Blurred lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I really enjoyed that song. And I caught, I caught myself because I like you have an affinity for old soul music. So that's the first thing I thought of was they heard this song and they wanted to do their own version of this song, which admittedly by them, they said that we really dug the vibe of this tune and we, we set out to do. To, to make people feel that. Right. But what they didn't do is they didn't sample anything. Nope. They changed the bass lines. Every they line. changed everything, everything was different. The, there was not a bar of music that's no, the same. The phrase was an eight bar phrase and yeah. Marvin Gaye's was a 16 bar phrase. Yeah. The whole thing was different. Yep. And then they lost the lawsuit. Yeah. It's a terrible and, precedent. And that's exactly. And what you said, you made a big long post about it on Facebook, which I love that you're not afraid to do that. Cause that's, I don't have anything to lose. Chris. Well, yeah, I don't necessarily either, but I just, I don't like being, I don't know. I don't, I feel like I don't know enough about a lot of stuff to talk about it, but you do. And well, I, I know I don't know anything. Well, I just, I'm just an idiot that, enough to in post that, it. <laughs> in that particular setting, you said what's, what really stuck with me to this day is that at this point, because of that, because of that uh, outcome of that lawsuit, now anything that's derivative of anything else is now illegal. Right. And that, that's, that is the precedent, and that, that is said. what has happened. And that hasn't. None of that's happened since. No one's gotten sued since. But that is well, the precedent be, that everyone has to follow now. Right. Is that if I get too close, you have to sh- make a song and then Shazam it and make sure that nothing <laughs> pops up. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> never even thought of that. You know what I mean? Can that happen? I don't, think I don't happen, know. Right? Maybe. I, don't, I mean, I don't, if it sounds too much like something, it'll so. pop up. I don't but, think so because the Shazam's looking at ones and zeros. I don't think that it's that it knows. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Though. I do. Well, you know what though? I, here's an interesting thing. I don't think you're ever going to see. Well, I shouldn't say that. I think that 
if we see more of those kind of suits, and there's been there's one last week, wasn't there? I can't remember what it was, but I think there was. There've been a handful since then. They um, haven't been quite as, as right. They haven't been quite as inflammatory because they they were more in line with the lawsuit. Right. This particular one, they the court came out and said, yeah, you were derivative. Right. And you're not allowed to be derivative. And it's like, okay, well, you're supposed to not take influence from anything right. you've ever heard? Yeah, like, that's terrible. insanity. Well, I don't think you're going to see a lot of artists suing other artists for any... As a matter of fact, I, I would be really surprised to see any artist suing somebody uh, for something like that. I think it's almost always going to come from an estate or a lawyer that owns that those right. rights. Because they're just looking for money, man. Yeah. I mean, they're just looking for money. I don't yeah. think it has anything to do with... That makes more sense. Yeah, because... I mean, it sucks. Well, it that makes, makes more, more sense, sense because the artist who is doing the suing, if you're going to sue somebody, but you best watch the fuck out because I'll be listening to every track to see if it has the same chords oh, as my tune. absolutely. You know what I mean? Like that, there's... Scouring you don't your do that catalog. To, yeah, you don't do that to your own. And, and no. there's... Dude, there's... Look, Western music, you got 12 notes. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Every blues song, every blues song. What do you, every who, who, who blues gets, song. Who gets to go back? Who's the first, you know? Yeah. Who owns the 12-bar progression? <laughs> right. It's ridiculous, man. I mean, look, I, it's obvious that that took a lot from the Marvin Gaye track uh, in terms of inspiration, but there, is, there was no... They had a terrible, terrible uh, lawyers. They went as far as presenting full transcriptions of the song. Right. But you can't And they were completely show that. different. First of all, but a, law, a good lawyer would have never allowed the jury to be made up of anybody except music Oh, absolutely. Like experts. Should have been, yeah. Should have been. And, it, and really, it shouldn't have gone to jury. It no. should never have gone to jury. It should have been nothing but experts making a decision. Now, I don't really know the ins and outs of the case and how exactly it was settled, but I imagine it was a jury trial. Um, well, it was. That was a big part of it, is yeah. that it was soccer moms. And, right. And yeah, that's and ridiculous. Whatever. Like, I mean, if I play, if I play two songs in four four that are at 120 dance, you know, EDM songs. Yeah. Do you think that you know the the average soccer mom or soccer dad is going to know the difference between those two no. songs? Like, let's take two EDM songs at 120 or one four. I don't know what EDM where the perfect thing is. Uh, both uh, have a basis of D. Right. Good luck. Yeah, you're good gonna, luck, you're man. Gonna go, this when did this song stop and this song begin? Yeah, they'll have no idea whatsoever. So it, it's a very dangerous precedent. I, I hope that uh, it gets overturned. I don't know if they're. I don't think they're pursuing anything about to, to try to at this point. But um, well, it made kind of everyone kind of throw their hands up in the air and go, well, especially guys like you and me, uh, and a lot of other artists like us who are particularly fond of music right. from 50 years ago right and you know my a lot of my writing style and and, and vocal and band style comes from that right. era yeah. and yours does too and, and it's so and, and that scares the shit Dude, out of me everything is derivative everything. everything absolutely there's there's nothing that's not you could take the most avant-garde you know crazy pop or or f screw that you could take avant-garde you know uh experimental music and you could still trace it back to something else absolutely you would have and to that, go back 100 years and that line goes all the way back there yeah. and the, and there is a very concrete evolution of music yeah. that can be followed pin by pin yeah. and that is i don't know it kind of scared me when that happened and and when i finally rested on what i th thought about it where i kind of landed and then i went okay well I don't have any songs that are popular in any kind of <laughs> right. grandstand yeah. situation. Millions of copies. Right. But if that, if I had a song on YouTube that did go viral yeah. and then I had, I got sued by Stevie wonder's estate. Yeah. Like, 
that would be not only detrimental to my career, but to my entire fragile ego that goes <laughs> along with, you know what I mean? Cause right. I would go, okay, well, well, I've never had an original thought in my life. Like, yeah. what am I thinking? But, but at the same time, Stevie wonder has always been really, really good about people wanting to cover his songs yeah. and him wanting to wanting all about it. Right, to, right. Like, I want to be a cameo in your music video. Even. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so it's just, it's weird that exactly like you said, it had to have been a state, just right. lawyers, a lawyer looking for money. Yeah, man. Looking for, that's what they're scouring. Well, the and that's why, that's why, uh, I can take solace in the fact that I don't make shit for money because <laughs> they'll know that. Why would you know right. a smart lawyer? Yeah, we're not. Is it going to sue somebody guy. that uh, owes the IRS more than his entire uh, estate's worth? <laughs> yeah, but that really, really. I mean, that's that's. They would not have. They didn't sue him the first day the track came out. No, they waited for it to be. You know, right. I don't. I can't remember. It was, but it was. It was at least. That was a summer hit. I mean, yeah. that was song was everywhere. Hundred. I mean, we're talking about tens of millions, if not more. I can't. Remember, I can't remember what it was. I, this was. Of streams if you're hearing this four years from now for some reason this was a, over a year ago now right oh at least yeah because happy was last was this past summer yeah. uh, so it was probably two years ago i remember there was a big stink over the music music video being too misogynistic yeah well look at him Which, you're gonna think who that guy's not <laughs> <laughs> i'm just seeing if i can see what when it came out but but yeah, I don't know. There was a whole stink as well uh, this past year with that happy song pharrell and they started attacking spotify the numbers didn't add up towards what he was getting paid. Oh, well, that's, that. dude, that's, Spotify it's ridiculous. is such an evil, evil corporation, but it it's is, so necessary for me. It's truck. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation, man. I mean, it's funny cause we, we didn't, the only thing that we have had out since Spotify really came to fruition is the last record. And the last record, we don't really get any money from digital sales because we're still recouping mm-hmm. from our record deal. Um, so I didn't really know if we were making any money off Spotify. Right. And as it turns out, we've over the last two years since that record came out, we've made like eight thousand dollars off that, which was far more than I thought. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's really cool. How do we do that? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't follow it closely. I, I hadn't been following it at this point right. four months ago, close enough. Well, it turns out that they. And I hope they don't get wind of this. They're gonna take us off of it. They had added us. Spotify had added a Mingo tune to their like morning playlist. Oh yeah, like their thing, their own sanctioned thing. Yeah, and it got so that's going everywhere, dude. I mean, you know, I mean, again, we're talking. It's it's all in relation, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a, for a, a band that's you know on the level that we are with the fan base that we have, I'm, I'm gonna look it up because I stared at it. I stared at it. I was like this this doesn't look right because the last time <laughs> that I had been on to, to I don't know that I can look at this stuff without logging in I'm not sure I never I don't even know what you're is, is it still on the list is that yeah, what you're trying to say it, it is I was gonna look at but I mean it, so you know the time that I looked before that we had like every song maybe had 30,000 plays or right. whatever and I looked and it's hundreds of thousands of plays just and then I tiled them up and it's millions of plays yeah you know, all and it's totally because they did this. Right. So kudos, thank you very much, Spotify. We appreciate right, it. Right. But millions of plays equals seven or eight thousand dollars. Right. Millions of plays. Now I I've got you know hundreds of albums I own I've bought yeah. over the, over the years may, maybe more maybe a thousand I don't know. Yeah. I have not listened to any of them except maybe six of those records. Right. More than. 20 times right in my life 
you know, there's a there's a couple except, of, of exceptions. And obviously, I don't pull out CDs nowadays. Most people don't. Right. You know, I listen on my phone. But even if you tallied up my plays on my phone, yeah. there's like maybe two records every two years that get more than a handful of plays. You know, like the Allison record gets a lot of time yeah. on yeah. me. The Ting's X got some good time. But even those, man, probably less than 100 plays. Yeah. So. Because there's not enough time in the day. No. Like what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? If I listen to that song for an hour a day, I, yeah. you know, that would be that'd be that'll only be twenty times. Yeah, it's not that much. All right, you'd have to. I mean, to rack up. So that's the prop. The problem is the model is completely. It, it can't sustain. It can't sustain um, the cost of making a record. It, well, people don't really seem to want to make records anymore. It's been presented to me that I should be sing. I should be putting out. Singles exclusively. It's a terrible idea. Or EPs exclusively. Yeah, but they're, they're reading too much Bob Bluffwoods, whatever his name is. Right. But, but you know, monetarily that makes more sense. because How? people Because people are going to be cherry-picking the songs and downloading them anyway. They don't, don't have to. People don't, but they do. Well, no, no, no. But I'm saying you don't have to allow them to do that. On iTunes, you can choose, you know, if you want to have... Uh, there's plenty of records up there. And I don't know... Where you have to buy the whole record. Right. You get one or two singles. Um, and you could be right. But I think... But beyond that, though... Because, and this is not just, I'm not just talking like esoterically or artist, from an artist, you know, branding stamp. Well, an, there is an inherent value, especially, I think, to an artist who is uh, not a celebrity. And mm-hmm. I mean, and I mean that pretty far up the scale. Mm-hmm. I'm talking anybody that's not a top 40 artist, basically. Right. So even if you're filling sheds, there's an inherent value in an album that doesn't exist in a collection of singles. Yeah. That is a statement about who you are at that moment. It's a statement about, um, it's just a much, it's a much bigger um, tool for you to, uh, to gain exposure and to, and, to, and to hopefully, you know, expand your fan base and expand the connection that you have with people. I mean, by the same token, you say, you know, people are going to cherry pick songs. Well, guess what? That may be the case, and if you've got 12 songs for them to choose from, they're a lot more likely to find the one they like than if you put out one tune in you know five months. Right. Um, and they're a lot more likely to do it at the same time because you've been pushing this one record. You're not going to spend, you know, even on a indie budget, if you've got 1000 bucks to spend on, you know, on social media, pimping stuff on social media, you're not going to spend that on a single. But you'd spend that on an album, and that yeah. collective energy from all you know your your existing fan base and their friends and people that you know may have heard one of these things there's just a lot more energy based around an album i i think there's a place for an independent artist releasing a signal a single signal uh yeah sending out smoke signals. Right. Uh, there there's a place for it and, and i think that it, it's it's an important tool both in in terms of marketing and you know sometimes you just have one song yeah and you're like i, I want to put this we did that yeah. not too long ago and it Failed miserably from a, from a financial perspective because, and I'll tell you why in a second. It's it's not exactly related to this, but it's somewhat. I, I I've heard that argument, and everybody that that reads the the Bob's you know his email yeah. and thinks that he's the business fails to remember that he's never worked in music a day in his life right. as a musician or sure. a manager a manager or a promoter or a booking agent or even a publicist. He's a, you know, he's a critic right. and that's fantastic. And I think that he says a lot of things that are smart. A lot of it's 2020, uh, it's, 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 you know, rear view mirror stuff because, and a lot of it's directed at stars. Right. I mean, the vast majority of what he's talking about does not relate financially 
socially, in terms of media, to the average, you know, working musician or the average, you know, the person that's got a couple thousand fans or even a couple hundred thousand fans. Right. It just doesn't, it doesn't scale the same way. So I think it's, you take it with a grain of salt. He's funny, you know, he's witty and, and he he says some things that I think are are brilliant. I just, you can't, you can't uh, put all your eggs in the basket of a dude who's never done it one day in his life. You know, you take, you go, what, what, what I try to do uh, when I'm feeling lost, whether it's business or whether it's just kind of artistic direction in terms of like, when do I put out, is I look at the guys who are the next step up for me in terms of their reach. Yeah. You know, what, where do I, where can I realistically be in a, in two years time? You know, yeah. uh, where's my growth now? What did they do to, to go from where I am? And, and it's never, let's only do singles. Never. It's never been that. Sure. Ever. Um, this is a wild west time for for me the music industry <laughs> i just in terms of playing devil's advocate towards everything you said yeah, yeah. It, what you said about you cannot capture the concept of an album in a single i agree with that from an artist perspective but you are going to get into something and this may send you off into this tangent is it not exponentially cheaper to just put out five songs at a time rather no, than i don't 12? think that it is i think that it's not exponentially cheaper because the energy that you have to put into, I mean, yes, it's cheaper to record a single most of the time. I mean, if you have a home set up and you're doing your stuff at home, it doesn't, it, it shouldn't matter. That's just, sure. it's just a matter of energy and way, where you put it, um, which I think ought to be the case for most people listening to, to this for that, that are musicians. Yeah. If look, I, I mean, you may not enjoy it. It may not be your favorite thing. I, I love it. I, I'm just, a, I, I love the smell of transistors. I, I can, sure. I dig that stuff. Yeah. But even if you don't, if you want to be a recording musician, you should have, there's really no excuse for you not to have a decent way to create media for yourself. Now, I'm not suggesting yeah. that everybody has to be able to record their own record. And sometimes it's great to just be in a studio and not have to think about that stuff. Right. But I would, I would argue, okay, here's a great, this is, this is my rebuttal uh-huh. um, to, to your point that trying to define an artist What's his name? Uh, my wife loved that song. Take me to church. Da, da, oh, da, da, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from uh, England or whatever his name was. Starts with H, right? Oh, uh, you, you got yeah. Spotify pulled up. Google it. I, I, it I'm up. not logged in. I get I it. Probably log, if I log in, maybe you can answer lots of questions. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> if, you're look, anyway. if you're watching this video, <laughs> we're both now looking this up. So I, I, uh, Hoosier. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that tune. It's a great, it's an awesome, spooky tune. Yeah. The second single, not so much. Didn't really do the kind of damage. Right. From the same record? From the same record. There are a couple songs on that record that are pretty good. I, I think that a lot of them were good, but the question was... Right. People... Uh, I have no idea what my login stuff is. <laughs> we're just going to ignore this. For, I, can, I can look on my phone if I need to, but... Um, people had cemented a really clear idea of who his persona oh, yeah. was from that one song. Right. And the moment, and I, I remember thinking actively about this. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago, a year ago, two years ago. Um, he had, God, I don't know if it was a second single. It was another song that I heard from the record. And literally, it was just a, a, a major song. It was like a song that a major key or there was a ma- you know, major section in it. Yeah. And I immediately felt weird listening to it because yeah. I had a very cemented idea of this guy being in the dark and you know, everything's going to be. And of course, that's a re- unbelievably ridiculous 
expectation or idea. I didn't have a, it wasn't a founded idea I had. It just, that was cemented in my brain. Well, you know, it is ridiculous, but you have to know that if you're going to be in the public eye on the scale that he is or was after that first song, that that's how it goes. Yeah. I think that the same thing happened to Mark Broussard with that very first first record when he put out home Home, as a single and the rest of that record doesn't sound anything like that song, but that song is so good. It still holds up to this day as a phenomenal song. Still the bestseller for him. Yeah, but that whole record after that was Blue Eyed Soul. Yeah. And and it didn't it didn't hold up. I love it. You mean it. the I, next album? No, the rest of oh, that the rest, the of, that rest of that record. Yeah. Not one song Karen on Crow? that record sounded like that. Yeah. I love the record personally, yeah. but a lot of people hear that song and they want to hear that dirty delta right. like yeah. is he white or is he black type of sound. Right. Yeah, and it's and it's a pretty uh the production's pretty particular on that track. Oh too. man, yeah. unbelievable! Yeah, really I, cool. That was my introduction to him, yeah. and I speak I speak from that point, from that position, as a listener. That I listened to the rest of that record the first time I heard it, and I went, I don't want to listen to this. And then <laughs> the, my artistry took right, over, and right. I went, okay, I'm going you to. Dug into and then it, I yeah. loved it. Right. But but I feel like that same thing happened to him, and that well, probably that's right. hindered his career to a point. He didn't have this level of success that Hozier had yeah. with that song, but I feel like a lot of people did the same thing to him. But maybe, yeah. I mean, I, but that, and that's always, I mean, it's always a risk. I mean, for everybody. I, do I can remember being a little kid, and this <laughs> is terrible, terrible story. Uh, Good. I remember, I, think I was literally, I was like 11 years old, <laughs> if that. And oh, the White Snake record came out. Okay. Now, I didn't have, you know, this, again, it's cassette days, whatever. And all I knew was like the big single, you know, here. Tony, Tony Katane on the car, <laughs> right? And at the at the time, they would roll out singles for a record so long, like two years, right? And you'd still have another single coming out from that record, right? And I remember, like you know, well before I ever thought about being a musician or you know the, that, or certainly about the music industry, I felt I bought the tape and I knew all the songs on the tape, right? And I remember feeling so weird that seven months later they were just starting to play that song. Here's a new one from like, you know, like, yeah. really? Because it's not new at all. And, and I think that the, the danger is really inherent. And it's probably one reason why so many pop artists' uh, material is so much in the same exact vein. Because, you know, folks up the chain, from a business perspective, are, are very aware that if you, if you change that dramatically... And, and I'll tell you, one, one thing for me is, and they, they somehow made it out, but Maroon 5. Like, that first record is a record that almost every musician I know has something they like about it, you know? Yeah. It's a band record. It's, it's a band playing. It's a very good record. It's a great, it's a well-crafted record from, from almost every perspective. Has very little to do with almost anything they ever did after that. Absolutely. You know? And they obviously had, that's, they're pop stars, but... Those songs on that first record were so, um, I, I, for a lot of reasons. One, because his voice is so unique, and you hear that voice. But the the way they wrote out the singles was really smart. I think you know because one connected really well to the next. Right. And there was never there was never one that on that record, and I can I can think of several records that were like this that had several hits, because that that record had a bunch of hits, like five hits. Yeah. I mean, at least. Yeah. And so one led really well to the next. You know, 
they, you didn't have to change your idea of what this band was if you didn't own the album and you heard it on the radio. Right. You were like, oh, you, you, matter of fact, I think most people, especially by the time the vocals came in, but maybe even before that, they would know this sounds like the Maroon, like the Maroon 5 record. Yeah. The Hosier song, not so much. It, it, changed, it, it changed direction so, yeah. you know, way too much yeah. for, that kind of, for, for that kind of delivery. Right. You know, four months apart or five months apart, whatever the, you know, here's the single and here's the next single. And the, the first single did so well that they milked it so long. Right. It was so long for the next one to come out. Yeah. And if, that's, if, that's, if you're one of those people, you probably don't have the same problems that you and me have. But if you're one of those people, that's a major concern. I, 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 I think that as an, on an artist that's more, you know, where we are in terms of our, our game and our fan base and stuff, you, when you do a single, you're just not going to get... Well, I'll put it this way. We depend so much on our fans. Right. There's a core group of fans. Like we have, I don't know what we have now, 16, 17,000 Facebook fans. I don't know how much we have on Instagram. It's, that's not a huge number, right. but they're very loyal people. It's right. not the same sort of person. That's on, the, the kind of fan that clicks on the social media and likes somebody or follows somebody on Instagram or whatever for a local or a regional band or a band that's on a smaller platform than a national act is not the same sort of fan that clicks on you know, a, a top 40 artist. Right. The kind of fan that we have... Um, are, it's a much more personal yeah. thing by and large. I mean, certainly there's people like that on those top 40s, but it's not the average person right. that gets on there and clicks like or gets on there and makes a post. They're extremely loyal and they're extremely, um, they're invested, man. They're, uh, some of them are literally invested in our Kickstarter that went completely awry. Yeah, I uh, had one of those. Yeah, Sorry I, if you're listening. Yeah, you I never got your CD. Well, you know, me, me, we screwed ours up. We, we, get, we were on the front end of that and that's another, that's another story. <laughs> but anyway, they're, they're invested and they want to see the band do well because they've been there since like you, they, you know, if you saw, if Mingo blew up tomorrow, it'd be this like the same thing with Snarky Puppet. When Snarky Puppet blew up, you know, you feel there's a sense of pride you feel because you were there at the beginning. You know, you, yeah. you're not, it's like you're watching your favorite football team. Absolutely. You don't have shit to do it. You didn't coach any of these yeah, people. But you say us, yeah, right. we, we won this That's week. right. And I feel like when, when I, artists that I know, like Mark and like Alan, those folks that, that we got a chance to play with and we've been able to, to you know, had the luxury and the, and the, and the blessing of knowing and talking to and getting advice from and sometimes growing up with or growing a little bit up. When you see them do well, it's, it's a whole different thing than loving a top 40 artist that you have right. no connection to. It's, right. a whole different, it's a much more invested thing. So when you release a single, those people are probably, will, you know, they may, they may share it. But it's a very different thing than when you release a record because they, they, I think they understand because they're they are so connected, how much of an investment of yours that was, and they're going to reciprocate much more heartily than they would for a single or this or that. And you know, I'm sure that's not a universal statement. It's that's my experience with with my my band. Um, there are some exceptions where you where, we 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 did a song for a friend of ours that had can that was diagnosed with cancer and has since. Um, been cleared when it's awesome and and i and i apologize if anybody's hearing this i don't mean to to mix that which was a very personal thing uh with talking about money you're talking about you know clicks or whatever else but you know the the i we raised money for him and we sent all the money from that to his family you know it wasn't a lot but it was it was something sure <clears throat> but if you get into the nuts and bolts of how that worked it's because our fans uh made that happen right and 
I don't know. I could probably find out like the breakdown between the people that like our, our actual fans that like our page or that follow us on some kind of social media and their friends, right? There's, that's a distinction that has to be made. Right. Heard that track or donated to the cause. That's a big distinction because the more successful case is that you have less of your fans and more of their friends because those people are going to become fans. Right. They'll, they'll make that connection. And in that case, and again, sorry to, I don't mean to sound crass about it and it wasn't done for this reason, but, uh, the, the thing that we got out of it aside from helping our buddy out, uh, and we didn't, and this wasn't something that was, that we considered was that that was, it wasn't for us. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with let's, you know, help, help us do this, uh, help Mingo or help Roger, you know, it right. was, Let's let's do this for somebody who needs help. Right. And people in our community immediately gravitated towards it. They immediately shared it. And so many more people saw that than probably anything else I've done in that, like a, either a single or, you know, these stupid videos that I do. Right. Uh, because of that message. And and I guess when you do good stuff, you know, you get you get good stuff. And yeah. so it, it did help us um, gain a little uh, beyond that. I don't think. If it's just a single, and I can and I I can talk to this even more particularly, if no one's bored to death by this conversation, then no. I mean my spewing. I know this bullshit. is. Um, I think this is going very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and per, perhaps we have a second date. Uh, uh, so we released a single called Freedom. Um, I don't even know. Maybe six months ago. You know, I won't get into the politics of it, but that obviously had something to do with it. And uh, so. Being that it's 2016, as we have this discussion, we didn't burn a single CD for it. You know, it didn't, that didn't make any sense. You, you couldn't recoup your no. cost. You know, if you made, if you burn a thousand, you might be able to get them, you might make 20 cents off each one. Yeah. I my, mean, that, it's ridiculous. My garage full of CDs would, <laughs> right. would scream that in your face. <laughs> so we, we just released it digitally and we didn't even release it on iTunes. We just did it on Bandcamp. Um, you know, because obviously your payout's better and, and probably should have done it on iTunes. It's not much to do that. And you, it's still a pretty good return, but we didn't. So here's how it can fuck you. One, one way, one way to really screw this up. And it's hundred percent my fault. So I got all my ducks in a row and we did a little artwork and we did a video uh, and we never, and I never got the video done. That was a huge part of the, of the air because the way that the content on Facebook is managed by, by their, you know, autonomous machine, uh, brain and probably by, you know, some people that are above that checking things, uh, is that audio content, even if it's in a video form, just doesn't get seen. Hmm. They just, it, it won't get seen initially. And I can go through all of my ads, you know, a hundred ads in the last year or two, and show you that at least for, for us and, and people that do the similar thing, it's been reflected. So we didn't have a video for it. Huge mistake. Every, the stupidest video that we, I do all these dumb videos where I play, you know, make a little song up for a show. or First for of all, event. they're not dumb. They're, they well, they're piss just, me off every time I watch one because I'm like, well, <laughs> you're, you're too good at all this stuff. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun for me to do sure. that. And since, I don't, since you know, our band lives not over just over Austin, but we have a couple guys in Nashville now. It's not real practical for sure. us to do this, you know, right. that kind of thing all the time. Yeah. We, we've done a couple, and they've been fun, a lot of fun. We did one in an RV. I remember that and, one. Yeah. So anyway, I, I do these things, and, and I post them, and they'll get seen by, 
you know, depending on what the push is, is for almost always over 15,000 people within a couple days. Right. And, you know, and I'm not talking about the reach. I'm talking about actual views. And you can see how, how long do they watch? Yeah. You know, that's why they're never more than about a minute because nobody watches anything more than a minute. Right. Unless it's got animals in it. So, <laughs> and I'm not going to subject my cats to that. But anyway, <laughs> so getting back to the single, I never finished the video. Right. That was the first huge mistake. I can tally up. I, I did. I did a video, which is just a you know, a, like, just the artwork for the single, with the song playing, so that I could have it stream on Facebook and stream on Instagram, whatever. Yeah. With links to the the shit, didn't get seen by shit. Right. For two reasons. One, because there was actually no video content. Well, we, we and we had it, and I still got it, and hopefully I'll I'll redo this, and we'll see. We can come back and yeah. re- revisit in the numbers. Yeah. I'm talking about dismal, like three thousand people. Like not even a good fraction of our actual fan base on Facebook saw this ad come across right. their their feed, right? Because it wasn't the type of media that Facebook thinks is people are gonna like, right? Um, so it didn't even initially get there. Even if I even when I monetized it, right? You know, by twenty bucks or thirty bucks or whatever, yeah. Um, Which is what they want you to but do. The, but but equally, and this is getting to nuts and bolts, so it's not as esoteric in nature. But the second mistake I made. And I, and I am very careful now after having done this more than once is if you post something, this was a Bandcamp link, right? Right. And I jacked it up. I, I jacked up the link somehow. There was some kind of weirdness with, you know, you, I, it was a, it was a private file at first and the last minute you sw- switch it over and make it a public file. And that's what you want to copy into your ad to post. You know, it's all like everything comes down to the last 30 minutes when you actually release right. it. And that, that goes for records too. Right. If they're, if, if you're hosting them on your thing. So I, I messed it up. I, I copied it in and I read it all over. Everything looked good. And I posted it. And three minutes later, literally three minutes later, I'm like, Oh shit, it's the wrong link. It's, it's a broken link. It's not going to download the right thing. Right. So I killed that ad. Uh huh. And I immediately I copied the, the text over and I immediately made a, another one with the right stuff. Nothing. You cannot do that on Facebook. Facebook will take that as a flag. If, if it gets this, a similar post twice oh. a, within a, a short amount of time. So they killed it. They didn't kill it, but they didn't let it go anywhere. I could watch that thing. If I, if I posted... Uh, you mean it didn't show up on anyone's I feed? Could, I could take a picture of the carpet right now yeah. and put it on the Mingo site and it would be seen a couple by the time we're done this conversation it'd be seen a couple thousand times. Yeah. Right. Just by the nature of people that like your site. Right. Facebook, there, there's something in the autonomy that, that looks for doubling, you know, that doesn't want to, doesn't want somebody to say to fill up your feed with a thousand of the same thing. Right. And so huge mistake, huge mistake, like caught probably cost us a thousand dollars type of mistake in terms of revenue because I did that. And, and, and I, and I've done it before. I just been, I, I wasn't thinking about, you know, you, you, you just have copy to, and pasted the same text. Yeah. And yeah. So they just, Actually, you know, and I don't even remember if I did that, but it was very similar. Right. You so know, they just didn't put it anywhere. It was the same kind of thing. And it was, you know, it was going to, wow. the, the link was maybe four digits difference, you know, in the private versus the public. And it just, it did not get any, I mean, we're talking about maybe less than a thousand. Wow. Yeah. People saw it. So, um, and so I pushed it, you know, I can't do it again. It's no. Whereas I pushed it with them. I monetized it. Terrible, terrible yeah. return. Now, I don't think we made the money on the monetization. Yeah. You know, so. Jeez. So you have to be. The social media outlet is such a strange, strange thing for guys like you and me. Yeah. In, I, I in, love it, man. I mean, I really do. It, I, it's, it can be done right. 
but it can also be you can spin your wheels so hard sure. and get nothing out of it. I learned that if I'm promoting something on Facebook without paying for it, that if I'd make a picture, I have an app on my phone mm-hmm. where I can put all the text in a picture. Right. And then I post that picture and don't post any text where it, it treats it like it's a selfie and they send it everywhere. Oh, yeah. And I'll get 10 times the amount of views and likes that I'll get if I actually type that text into the box and hit it. But you're not monetizing it. Because no. if, if you try to monetize a picture with text, it recognizes the text. Oh, really? In the picture, yes. Yeah, it kills. I, it won't I, even allow you to monetize it. I do it. I do it unmonetized. Right. If I'm making a post about a show's this weekend, yeah, I'll put them in this little picture right. app that I've right. got, and it, I'll put it on Instagram. It's way further, and I'll put yeah, and I'll get I'll get hundreds of likes, yeah. or more versus less than a hundred views yeah. out of the however many thousand people that have liked my page. Right. And that's insanity to me because they yeah. want you to monetize it. And then like you said, if I yeah. did that, they wouldn't let me do it anyway. Right. They, they have a, as a matter of fact, there's a little applet somewhere on Facebook at least. I don't know about Instagram, but there's a little applet where it puts a grid up. And if you have more than, if it, if, if the text takes up more than X amount of the squares, huh? then it, it won't approve it. But the funny thing is if you try to get something approved more than once, a lot of times, the second time, it'll go through. Oh, it's just, Dude, just, yeah, it's really weird. And I don't really even understand why. I guess it's a matter of they can't necessarily, uh, like, you could just be, you could have a string of curse words, you know, and they, <laughs> right. and they, if they, right. the autonomy may not recognize it. But I don't really know why. It's definitely, a, it's a, tr- it's tricky. And you got to find your own thing. I mean, man, I tell you what, I saw a buddy of mine is in a, is in a band in Nashville, and he posted this awesome video yesterday. Uh, there, it's a cover song but it's so it's so unique and they the the page the band only has a, like a couple thousand likes yeah this video in like a day had gotten 65,000 views wow and which is pretty that's that's a different like when you get past 30,000 yeah. that that kind of like that's another dimension uh, especially if you've only got that much but anyway it's the whole band in like a I don't know, minivan or something. Yeah. And they've all got, you know, like there's the singer, uh, it's a female singer and she's driving and guy and my buddy is in the, in the passenger seat playing guitar and singing backup. And there's a, a mandolin player, another guitar player in the second row. And in the very back, literally sitting like Indian style on the, in the, in the back of the, of the minivan with the seats down is a drummer playing. He actually playing a, a snare and the suitcase kick oh, yeah. somehow. I don't know how. I think maybe he's playing with his hand. I don't really know. Yeah. And a bassist playing a little like a uke bass or something like yeah. that, uh, acoustic. And they and they go and there's they go through a drive-through, and they're saying like she orders, and then they start singing the song, and they go through the drive-through window, and it's brilliant. Yeah. It's it's, it's funny. Yeah. And they they film and they've got a bunch of GoPros. Yeah. And they film the the folks you know. Yeah. That are their that reactions. Are, this yeah they're serving them and they're clapping along and and it's brilliant <laughs> and I watch the whole thing. Like, yeah. I you know you know we don't watch a two minute video or no. three minute video. Watch the whole thing and then I notice I'm like dude, one day they got sixty five thousand views because it's entertaining. Yeah. And it spread the word and you know whether or not I think it's the best thing I've ever heard was really it didn't it didn't matter. It totally was, irrelevant. It was entertaining and you you can't lose sight of the fact that you know you're gonna have a, there's a core. They're going to help you out because they love what you're doing and they do feel invested. They're going to share uh, the event. Oh, and if it's an event, you know, there's some shows that are an event. Like we're trying, you know, you make New Year's an event, uh, CD releases an event. Those kind of things may sell themselves a little more uh, on their own. But the reason I started doing those videos is because that wasn't enough. You know, it wasn't doing enough um, in returns, you know, and, and if you can make it work, it's the best 
advertising because right. it doesn't cost anything. You're talking about the videos you made that are promoting the shows, right? Coming up. Yeah, the promoting the shows or pro- right, just the ninety second videos. Right, they'll have maybe they'll have text, maybe they won't. I'll be maybe I'll be talking about the exact show. You know, it's not they're not right. masterpieces of, of music. They're just fun things that yeah. hopefully entertain and connect with somebody and let them know in a real fun way. Yeah. And you know, well, you got a lot of engagement out of those for sure. I I've seen a ton of them. Yeah. And I see a lot of people that are that yeah. are getting involved, probably way more than if you posted a picture. Oh, absolutely, that's, yeah. Well, you know, it's a and, great idea. And they they can they can if if they don't like my style or my singing, then they're not going to like it. If they do, then at least you're giving them something to sure. judge that by. They're friends, you know. And you yeah, can obviously, you know, with social media, especially Facebook, but some some of the others as well, you can tailor. Who you're hitting? Yeah, you know who who's going to be the you know if if you're monetizing, who's going to see it and uh, all that good stuff. And I I think you know some of my guys might even even in my band might not think it's as important as, as I do, but I, I I think it's pretty it's been a pretty big player in uh, maintaining a presence. You know I don't it's it's hard to say how much those kind of things build. Sure, but man, like well, the, for the, brand recognition, yeah. Well, the yeah. few band things we've done have been have been pretty i mean again it's a scaled thing not millions of views but it's been it's within our realm it's been successful they've been viewed a lot of times and shared i mean that's like that's the big thing you know we we've got a couple of videos that have been shared like 700 times that's not a big number for the all of the world but it's a big number for a band like us cuz it means that you've gone from 5 10,000 views to yeah. 100,000 views you yeah. know and man in in a day in, yeah. in literally in a day so you know you kind of have to put your best foot forward you don't want to put some shit up that you don't you, you don't put anything up there that you don't want somebody to, to hear or see of course you know i'm sure i put my foot in my mouth many times especially on my personal pages that i know i have i've lost gigs i've lost a couple shows <coughs> solo things and a couple of ongoing uh streams of income because i've been very vocal like about you know, political issues or social issues. Sure. But man, you know, I mean, come on. Like, it, 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 that's, that's, why it's, that's why it's there. That's the cost of doing business and standing up for something that you believe in. It and is. And that means way more in the long run. I think so. About, I, I also think... talks a lot more about who you are as a person yeah. and, and what you believe, standing up for what you believe in. If you're not doing that, you're not really doing anything as a person. You yeah. know, I, people, you know, you're not, you don't do it in an inflammatory way. I don't try think. Not to. I've try never not to. been... Uh, most of the time our, our views align, so it doesn't affect right. <laughs> me in that way. But, but even trying to look at it from the other side, you don't, you're not attacking. You're stating your opinion in a very strong worded way. Some, yeah. And, I, but I, you're I opening, don't try to. But you're opening yourself up for, for, for a debate. Right. And, and, and that's fine. And that's what needs to happen. I, no, I'm I would, not saying I'm an much, argument. I would much rather have, I'd much rather have either. I'd much rather have an argument or a debate. As long you can argue and you can be, you know, there's always going to be inflammatory words in an argument. But you can still be respectful to the uh you know the the arena that you're in well that's the black and white difference to me between a debate and an argument i i don't believe and once once an argument once a debate gets heated then it's an argument sure to me and i and then at that point i, I shut them down because yeah. there's no point yeah I, I don't think so i mean that's that's you're probably right i mean it, it is uh you know obviously sometimes you're doing it to prove your point to the rest of the choir that's sitting there around watching it. And right. that's, you know, that's probably worthless for the most part. But I tell you what, man, you know, it seems silly. And, and I've got dear friends and bandmates that would sit here and tell me I'm an idiot for engaging anybody online. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, even if, even if nothing else, when I been, I don't know if it's a matter of age or whatever, but 
when I have those sorts of arguments, I learn more about that topic probably than any other, I mean, nine times out of 10 than, uh, than I knew before. And, you know, most of the time my, my overall view won't change, but, but what might happen is I might understand a little bit more about why somebody feels, you know, I, I had an argument, well, I had a debate on, on, on Facebook, <laughs> which doesn't, this doesn't really, really happen that often when I have that debate with somebody who's close to me, who, you know, friend, and I had one with a very dear friend, uh, somebody who I work with all the time and very polar opposite difference uh, of opinion on education in this country. And, and, you know, this stemmed from, from uh, president Lex's uh, appointment for the uh, education secretary. So, uh, and it got heated and, you know, we got, both got butthurt, I'm sure. And, you know, we're over it now. We've, we've had lunch. It's fine. But I learned more. I learned more because I, I didn't want to, especially with somebody who I respect and who I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose a friendship over this thing. Someone who I actually know in real life. Right. You know, I'm going to be, try to be uh, diligent in how I present my side of the story. Right. Um, and I'm going to try to be universal in how I look at that. And. Um, so I, I don't know, getting, getting back to the whole thing, how this relates to music in any way. I, I am on Facebook partially. I'm on social media to be social. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm, it's not just to pimp my band and pimp my wares. I'm, I'm there because of a lot of people around the country that I know personally who, you know, I want to stay in contact with. That's why it's there. People, kids that are listening to, that might be hearing this that are even 20 years old for most of their adult lives, this has existed. Right. All of their adult lives, this has existed. Well, it didn't always exist. No. I mean, I had buddies from junior high. I lived in Michigan for four years. You know, one little segment out of my 40-year-old life that I hadn't spoken with, I hadn't connected with in decades. Right. Because before this, you, you're not going to pay a detective to find your right. best buddy in eighth grade. Right. Who I've reconnected with a little bit, you know, and that's, dude, that's, that's amazing. So I'm on there to be social, and part of being social for me, is talking about things that are relevant, yeah. which right now in the United States, it's all, you know, it's all based in stuff that's inflammatory, you're, you, yeah. know, you know, and that's... There's really no way around it. No, there's not. And, you, and sweeping under the rug's not... It's, dude, I had somebody, I had a, a fan of, of the band uh, message me, um, and she's, you know, she's older, older than I am, certainly by, you know, over a decade, and... Uh, she was very polite in the way she worded it, but it was obvious that her views were very different than mine uh, politically. And she, she, I don't remember the, the exact fra- phrasing that she used, the wording that she used, but basically she said, well, I don't know when, you know, when entertainers decided that they should use their platform to make political statements. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Right. Who, 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 didn't when has that ever not happened no that's exactly what you do yeah well you know i mean not everybody but certainly all my favorite artists all of them every single one of them well the general population takes their cues from celebrities which may or may not be a good (laughs) thing sure but they do yeah and that gives a lot of power to to the person with a that gives a lot of power to the person with a with a large opinion right well but you know i mean and and it's not always cut and dry and it's not always a question of uh and it's, you know, I could, I could probably find songs that were written by my favorite re- artists if I dug deep enough and, and knew the exact topic, you know, this maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago that I would disagree with. But that doesn't make the, that, 
Of course they should talk about it. That's right. what it, that's what's on their mind and in their hearts that at that time. What what else am I going to write about? I mean, I write about love. I write about my relationships and other people's relationships that I know. I write from a autobiographical standpoint. I write about other people's life as if it were m- myself. That's all fine and good, but that doesn't that doesn't you know have total control of of where your mind is as an artist. And I I think you have to speak your mind. And if you f- look back over your own shit in 10 years and you're like, wow, I'm a, I'm an asshole. <laughs> and I really, you know, I really was being a, a dick about this. Well, so be it, you know, and you grow from that. But sure. You know, right now there's a lot of, there's a, I believe there's a whole lot of social injustice that's coming. That's not new. It's just coming to light right. because of technology and because of, you know, a lot of different things. But, and, and it's the first time I, I and not the first time it's for, for my generation and generations younger than me. It's one of the first opportunities we've had to use media, including writing songs, to make a difference. You know, and it preaching to the choir, as it were, isn't useless. It's not a useless thing. You have to connect with people who, you know, these are large, usually, usually they're large things. We're not talking about specific policy issues. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about, you know, the nuts and bolts of building a bridge, right. li- literally. Right. Talking about large issues, you know, large things, and you have to connect with people. So it's not just it's you know, I, there's been a lot of shit lately, like about John, uh, about um, what's his name, uh, Daily Show guy, John Stewart. No, no, but the the HBO going oh, blank. Uh, Oliver John yeah, Oliver. Yeah, yeah. Who is funny as hell? I love that. I've show. I've seen, but I've seen a lot of stuff about you know, well, we got to get rid of all these sounding boards because it's not doing you know liberals any good, and I don't consider myself a liberal, but I do find what he says entertaining, and I find it enlightening because it's presented in an entertaining way. Right. I don't think that it's necessarily bad. If you're, an, if you're an intelligent person and you consider all things with a grain of salt, you have to know that you're not alone. Yeah. It's important, man. It's important to know that you've got someone else's back and they have yours. Yeah. You know, it's not just a question of, I'm not trying to explain, I'm not trying to write a song about how I see racism to somebody who's racist. <laughs> Most right. of the time, I'm not going to direct it to them, and maybe, maybe that's a shortcoming on my part. You know, maybe there's a great way to do that. Uh, right. I don't know what it is. I'm just put, I'm putting it out there because it's because it's on my heart, or made me mad, or made me excited, or what you know, whatever the case is. So um, I don't want to say she can go fuck herself. I appreciate her standpoint. She, you know, she mentioned she will never come see us again, and yada yada yada. It's definitely not the majority, and I and I can almost guarantee that for every person that takes that stance for any artist there's another five that are waiting to come on board yeah. because they believe in in what you're yeah. doing you know and you, you may not always be right you may you may find yourself on the other side of the fence eventually but well i think that comes a lot with the power of being a celebrity and i think that transcends the idea that 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 people need to know and understand that they're not the only ones that are having these thoughts and feelings. And I don't think a lot of times people realize that, but I think that transcends outside of their celebrity and outside of society into even sad songs. Why, why are breakup songs so popular? Sure. Because everyone has gone through that right. and someone's going through that right now. And they don't, they may not have the, the wherewithal to realize that they're not alone that they're not the only person that this has ever happened to. And when they hear that song, it gives them solace and it may make them more sad. And that may lead to them coming out of it even stronger. But that's the idea is in, I, I, 
had a, spent a long time avoiding writing about my my own feelings, yeah. and I would write about things that happened to other people, and it and it wasn't as personal when it came out. And then this last record that I did called Fort Worth Sessions, I did an EP of more like Americana songwriter songwriter type stuff. Yeah, and uh, I'm very proud of it because all of those songs, except for one that I co-wrote, are extremely personal. Yeah, and people latched onto it, and it's not my best production. But it's a good record, mm. I think. But people latched on to a handful of those songs that I didn't even think people would listen to, like the, like the, the last couple of songs that I put on there just because I wrote them because I thought they were good and they're very personal. Yeah. And, and I've gotten such overwhelming feedback. There's one song in particular that I wrote uh, about a friend of mine who I used to know in high school. She moved away when she was 19 to Florida, got married when she was 20, yeah. uh, and we're both 30 now. And I, I met up with her about a year and a half ago or a year ago or so she just moved back to town, ran into each other and she told me, Oh, well, I'm, I'm getting a divorce. And then she said, she proceeded to spend the rest of the evening. You know, I was hanging out with some friends and she was hanging out with some friends, but apparently she really needed to get this off of her chest. So we proceeded to spend the next couple hours in this bar and her telling me about her divorce. Nothing bad happened. No one cheated. No one was abusive. They just grew apart. They got married too young. They grew apart and now they're getting divorced. That's it. That's the bottom line. And that sounds very reasonable to me. But to her, her family, her mother and her sisters were or something to that effect, were not letting her believe that that was okay. And they were calling her a failure and they were destroying this girl's psyche and, and her confidence in herself and her ability to make decisions. And it was it was bad enough that she cried over that, not even over the divorce, because that needed right. to happen. But right. she was so upset about people dumping on her because she couldn't make it work. Not yeah. because he couldn't make it work. It was all her fault. And she was carrying the weight of the world on her shoulders that particular evening. And it and I just happened to be there to catch to catch it. You know, to, to catch it coming out of her. Yeah. And, you know, we parted ways that night and and I hung out with her once or twice after that. Just we're just friends. Yeah. And I uh, never really talked to her again. And that stuck with me for months. And I ended up writing a song that ended up on this last record called I Hope. And I tell that story when I play that song in a much more condensed version, obviously. <laughs> and uh, I've had, I can't even count how many middle-aged type people yeah. who have come up to me and said, holy shit, that song was moving. I have to have this song. Yeah. And and that that platform you you just you have to make people feel okay about having feelings we yeah. live in i think we're we're com- we're getting better as a society about accepting things like that but there was so long when i started trying to write songs like that i would write a song about something that made me sad and i go nobody wants to hear that and then eventually i came around on the idea that people need to hear that sure. because that makes people feel less alone yeah. and that's the power the the power that you have as a as a person with that platform is people need to understand that they're not alone with their political beliefs like you were saying earlier people are five of five one person's going to back out and five people are going to sign up because they didn't know you felt that way right. and they didn't know anyone around them that felt that way but sure. now it's okay in their mind to feel that way cuz you feel that way and now they've found this group of people who think like them and they can feel comfortable within themselves i think that is an invaluable tool and byproduct of what we do for a living yeah. is you can give someone that freedom and that that acceptance that maybe they've been longing for for a really long time. I am weird as shit. I am a weird person. I just am. I say weird stuff. I have weird thoughts on a minute by minute basis. I can't help it. But I surrounded myself with people like you, who I also think is weird, 
but I feel like we're the same kind of weird. Yeah. And so we get along. And, and then there's a ton of other people that I think that they go, I've never been able to act like this around anyone because I was afraid people would lock me up. Yeah. And then we're, we're cool be like that. You know what I mean? And I think that people, as people need that. There is no emotion that I've ever felt in my life that, that is unique to me. Yeah. But sometimes I feel that way. When I get really sad, I go through bouts of depression. And when I get that way, I don't want to talk to anybody because no one's going to understand what I'm going through. And that's bullshit. <laughs> and I don't realize it at the time. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's such a powerful tool that you have to have politically, emotionally, that, that, that celebrities, when someone comes to you and says, when did entertainers decide they're going to take a stand on something? <laughs> that, that hurts my feelings. Right. You know what I mean? That, from what that lady said, because that's, that's part of it. That's, that's the beauty of what we do for a living. Uh, yeah, I believe so too. It, is outreach and just giving someone, just putting an arm around someone's shoulder metaphorically through a song or through whatever and I, I just, I love that. I love it when someone comes out. This happened, I did one of those So Far concerts. Have you ever done one of those? I haven't. Oh, my God. It was yeah. so much fun. If you ever get a chance, you got to do one. Yeah. Uh, house concerts that they don't tell, the, the people show up, and they don't know who's playing. Okay. And so there's three artists, and they sell 30, 40 tickets in someone's living room. Yeah. And you just sign up. They sell out all over the world. They do, like, 500 of them a week nice. all over the world. Yeah, yeah. And so I did one, and I played that song, and I told a very anecdotal version of that story. And this lady came up to me. At the end of it, and she goes, I went through a divorce six months ago, and nothing has made me come to terms with what I'm feeling uh, comprehensively more than that song. Yeah. As an uplifting, I hope that you get better type of song. And yeah. it's okay to feel what you're feeling. And she just, she had tears in her eyes. And I could, that's, that's, yeah. If, if, if nothing else ever came of that song, that one woman coming up to me and saying sure. it to me makes it all worth it to me. Oh yeah, man. And Sometimes I, it's, it's, it's for one person. And I hate that that woman would come at you well, and try to stifle you by saying, well, just, just be a pretty face and a pretty voice. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. Uh, there's certainly not going to be a pretty face involved in anything that I'm hey, doing. But you got that new haircut. That's right. It's <laughs> just less hair is what it is. <laughs> uh, can you give me less hair on this part? <laughs> just on the sides. I got the same thing. Yours, no, is, dude, yours is taller I just, than mine. I, I'm 43. I wanted a mohawk my whole life. I'm like, I'm watching Mr. T. And I'm like, it's grown, it's grown out now. But I'm like, I want to get a mohawk. I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want. But man, you're, you know, you're right. And I don't, you know what? Again, I don't, I don't hold any sort of grudge against her because people... Look, what we do is not terribly necessary. Not not in the way we do it. It's not necessary that you pay somebody to play music. They had music long before sure. we were. They were really entertainers that you paid. You know, before they were really uh, any sort of patronage. You know, right? It's not necessary. We're an ancillary thing uh, on any level, whether you're a local musician or regional or national, famous doesn't matter. So. I I had a discussion last night with a guy um, who I who I know pretty well. I, I didn't know some of his his history, and he had a pretty, you know, he was able to drop a lot of names, not in a bad way, but you know, just telling stories and stuff. And you know, I think this there's a there is for for generations maybe before me, folks that were working in the '80s, uh, and really across the board, like cover bands up to the most you know, famous hit makers, um, there came to be an entitlement because the money was just huge. And I, 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 hope, I, hope, I really hope that I never 
feel that way. You know, I'm sure that there's some, I've had moments of weakness where I'm like, well, you don't respect what I do. And blah, you know, but, <laughs> but as a, but as a general rule, I try to keep reminding myself that, look, you know, you're pretty, pretty privileged to be able to play notes and sing for, sure. for, to make your mortgage. I'm, I, I, I really, I've had the, the odd jobs I've taken by and large for my, most of my adult life have been music related. So, you know, I may not make all the money I want to make off of my band or one, one thing, but I'm able to leverage you know whatever talent so i i feel really but in the 80s cover bands in the i can speak from experience with my my dad who you know played music and was with my band for a long while but well before that he you know he played in a lot of cover bands in the in the 80 in 70 60 70s 80s yeah. 90s they were making as much money then as good cover bands are making now right in that in 1980s dollars right they're making a lot of damn money right and it's great. It, the, 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 that part of you know the, the entertainment industry, that segment was stronger. It didn't have nearly the competition. But I can remember when CDs first. Well, no, that's not true. I can remember when VHS tapes uh, got over the because like when they first came out, and I was a little kid, they were like a hundred dollars. It was a hundred dollars for a movie. Jeez, literally, you could go spend like you want to watch Jaws on JHS, you'd rent it. But if you wanted to buy it. Hundred bucks because the whole, <laughs> the whole that whole part of the of the business built around rentals. Right. You know, they don't want you to buy it. No. But when that when that got done and you could buy movies for the, about for like eighteen bucks, it was the same price as a CD. And I remember looking at, looking at that and going, nah, I'm just a kid, but I know that movie cost like exponentially more money to make than the <laughs> right. CD that cost the same amount of money. Right. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Now there's a lot. I mean, obviously the movies made. A whole, and when it went to theatrical release, that was a whole, you know, sure. a whole different matter. The movie probably still made more profit, but I feel like that was part of a very, you know, privileged time frame where uh, there was a lot of money to be made in just about every, you know, facet of, of playing music, and it's just not there anymore. Right. And this guy that I was talking to yesterday came from that and was a bit depressed by what he saw, and, you know, he had a lot of things to say about his days in LA and, and, and I'm like, well, you're not there now. Right. And you're not there for a reason. It's just not, it's not what it was. It's a different paradigm now. And part of that rolls back around to this woman for her. I am entertainment. I'm the same as a Michael Moore film to her, right. which she is not going to watch. Right. And I'm, you know, I, and it's, I'm not nearly like that. If you listen to my music, you know, it's, most of it's not like that. It's right. Most of it's not, I'm not militant about my no. police, but it's going to come up. And so, so to her, it's not worth it. And that's fine. It's, it's her entertainment dollar that she's spending. Right. There are, there are different types of fans that need different types of things. I can't, I, I'm not going to spend any more time than this discussion thinking about that in one way. I don't, I, I mean, I, I, I respect her. I didn't send her. I'm like, Hey, thanks for the, I appreciate you taking the time to write. Right. You know, obviously we, we have different opinions and I think this is part of my, I don't say duty is a strong word, but it's certainly part of my, uh, privilege. Sure. Having, having spent the time to, to do something that I, I'll do it. And if, and if, and if it hurts me, it's my fault. It's, if it hurts me, the only, the only thing I feel bad about is that it, maybe it hurts my band mates a little bit. But again, I don't think that's the case. I think that most of the time when you speak from your heart, as long as you're not being a total dumbass about it, uh, when it comes to matters that aren't so private, uh, that 
you know, you'll, you'll gain more, uh, you'll gain more ears than, than you'll lose, but whatever. I mean, it's not, I couldn't spend, I couldn't be like a, you know, a folk writer who, who spent 90% of the time writing about those things. Cause I would kill myself. Right. It's just too depressing. It is a lot to, to write about in. that kind of stuff all the time. And, and to try to sit there for days crafting, uh, uh, a pithy song about something you dislike. <laughs> it's not really what I want to spend all my time, but it yeah, does happen. Sure. And, and sometimes you like it. I mean, I like the tune. Um, I, I, she, she said this stuff, not because of a song I released, but because of what I said on stage about that song. Right. And so she did she hadn't made the connection. She didn't dig deep enough into the songs, lyrics or whatever. Right. To even make that connection, but you know, when I, when I spelled it all out, then it became something that she didn't agree with. That's fine. Sure, um, it's why it's there. You may, I mean, people, people aren't, they don't have to see entertainment the same way that we might. I, I want to, I want to have more. Like it's one of the reasons I love the Alan Stone record, man. There's a couple of tracks on there that are very, um, political is the wrong word, but socially aware, yeah. and, and he has a very strong. Uh, statement to make American Privilege sure. is a great song man it's, it's from a lot of perspectives I love the songwriting I love the craft mm-hmm. I love the production I love the singing you know I, I love all the entertainment parts of it but I I really connect with it because of the of the commentary yeah and so I, you know if it's all about love and loss and, and you know that, that kind of stuff um, it's not devoid of value for me but I do like I gravitate to artists to do that. Stevie Wonder, one of the reasons is because a lot, a lot of, you know, you haven't done nothing. I mean, there's a lot oh, of tunes. Man, one of my favorite tunes. Uh, you know, um, there's a lot of tunes. That one's very pointed. Yeah, it is. And uh, and a lot of Sly Stone stuff, early, oh, yeah. early Sly sure. stuff was all about riots and, and oppression. Yeah. And I guess a lot of that early soul stuff anyway was about, sure. was very civil rights. Absolutely. Pro. And I, that's, you know, being a couple of generations after that and looking at it in hindsight, uh, and seeing it very condensed. I mean, you know, in terms of like history books and learning mm-hmm. about it, when you look at it and it's that condensed, um, for a white guy, I think, uh, in a lot of ways, it probably was, I, I don't, this is probably terrible things. What I was going to say was, I was going to say that I think sometimes when you, uh, when you're able to look at history in a condensed fra- fashion like that, and you're not part of the group that was, you know, I mean, look, I'm a white male in the United States. Like, you know, it's like a lot of comedians have, you know, commented yeah. on, it's not like I've been oppressed in any way, shape or form, but I, I hope to be aware when other groups are right. Right. I hope, I hope to be aware. And when I learned about those things in school, um, being from Mississippi and having so, you know, the deep South be such a part of that awfulness, and you learn about it in a day. I mean, you you may have known about it. You may right. have under you know had. But when you're eight years old in your social studies class, and you like in a day's time, you're like, they did what? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and it hits they, you all it the hits stuff you, they right. leave out that you find out about twenty years sure, later. Sure. Sure. But there was enough bad stuff. I mean, I maybe I I got lucky in exactly where I was with my primary education and my you know middle school and stuff like that. I had some great great teachers that that made that spelled out a lot of stuff that was probably pretty pretty heavy for for a you know, kid just 10 years old or whatever and i'm glad they did and yeah. and and then connecting the dots with music that i knew because of my dad you know otis and and mm-hmm. and marvin and and sam cook and and all all sorts of soul music and other musics in the, in the 60s too that i had heard my whole life because my dad was playing it mm-hmm. you know it took a long time to draw those connections right years and years but uh that's part of why 
I love it so much. Yeah. Because it it has a much deeper meaning. So, you know, not everybody's going to dig it. I mean, people are going to look at it, and, and you are going to be the from different perspectives. This is a this is a layperson. She's not a musician, as far as I know, in sure. in any way. And so it's fully entertainment for her. And there's going to be some musicians, and depending on who, what band you are, or who you are, maybe other musicians come to see you because of your musicianship. You know, you have a fan, certain part of your fan base is there to see your badass drummer, your badass keyboard player, with both of which happen in my band a lot. The horn section, they, oh, really? you know, people come to see that's just a, that guy. And that's awesome. I'm glad that 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 that's why I play with them for one yeah, reason because I sure. I like watching the musicianship. But the reason I make music isn't. It's really not for any of that, you right. know. It's it's a more comprehensive thing. So you're gonna lose people, man. You know, just you you can't if you compromise that part of why you do it, you probably won't do it very very long. No, and you can't, and you shouldn't, and you shouldn't feel like you have to do that. I guess that that same thing would speak to if if you were maybe a little bit weaker minded as a person, you may have gotten that email and then been afraid to offend her. And, right. and tried to quell that situation. But then you're going against everything that you said on stage. And then who are you at that point? You're yeah. not real sure anymore. Well, you know what? I'm sure I've contradicted myself a thousand times. Probably <laughs> in the last two hours we've been talking. I'm sure I have. And that, that's okay, man. You know, I mean, like, again. I haven't heard I, you do that. It's, so I don't, well, I don't know. If you look, I, I, it's easy when you, when you have. We have a. It's a small fan base comparative. Like, you know, what, what scale do you use? If you're using a Justin Timberlake scale, our fan base is minuscule. It's almost non-existent. Right. But, but it's provided a career, right? We have enough people yeah. to have, uh, you know, I, I bought a house I'm, and I pay my bills most of the time. I'm like most other Americans in terms of, you know, that I, I have a, uh, I've been able to make my living doing that. So, so while, you know, I can roll my eyes at the numbers, it, it exists and it's, it's there. Um, but I can't, I'm not going to hold myself to some weird discussion uh, that, that, that really is about a superstar. It's why the Leftwitz letter, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth when so many musicians and people that I respect and people that I like share it as it's the gospel truth because, look, you, you're not the same as Justin Timberlake. No. He, he's a fantastic musician. Right. We, we, he'd probably be in this room and we'd have a fantastic time talking about music and making stuff. His life as a professional is not the same as yours and mine. Right. And it's not the same as Alan Stone's. It's not the same as Mark Broussard's. You know, though, when I look at guys who I aspire uh, from a career standpoint to follow in their footsteps or to, or to, to let, me, let me take some of the tricks from their book, and try to apply them to mine, it's not Justin Timberlake. It's Mark Rossard and it's Alan Stone because they have great careers yes. that have developed uh, and, they've, and they've been able to operate the exact way that they've wanted to. I mean, you know, I mean, they probably disagree with that, but to a large extent. It's very organic. The way Justin Timberlake was a boy band star. Right. And he's been, a, he's been groomed to be a star from the go, and he is a star in yeah. every respect. And I am not, and I would never, I don't have the patience to do that. So a lot, maybe he couldn't get on stage and say, the shit I said. He couldn't get away with it. Maybe, maybe he could. There are some people who do. They're usually not huge. Right. I mean, they're big. There's, pl there's plenty of people we can, I can, I can point out who have been inflammatory on stage and said some very pointed shit yeah. about a very specific party or, or person. Yeah. They're probably not, for the most part, and there's exceptions, superstars. 
Right. Because that is a particular job. And oh, if, you, yeah. if you want that job, you got to go for that job. And part of that job is to be appealing to as many people as you could possibly be appealed to. Right. And that there, and I don't take anything away from that. That's, no. that's awesome. Yeah. Cause I look at food the same way, dude, I will eat the shit out of some McDonald's. I know it's terrible for me. <laughs> I know it has no value whatsoever, but it's designed to taste awesome to most people. Right. And it does to me. And so every once in a while I get weak and I'll have some McDonald's and it's awesome. <laughs> and then I feel like shit later, but right then it's freaking awesome. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not equating that to certainly not to Justin, who I think is brilliant. But to you know any other any pop star Justin Timberlake would be more like what a right Justin Timberlake's a terrible example but and, and there's there's I can think of a lot of terrible examples because I I really admire his his music and, and his craftsmanship there's some other pop artists who I don't I wouldn't listen to right. their stuff I don't I, you know, I don't sure. like it but I'm not taking it away from them because no. it's a very tough job and they have different things they they need to do and right. they could be a lot more. Um, they, they might have more sway if it's important to them to be more gentle in their words uh, to maybe make somebody think about something. Right. And maybe their demographic's wholly different. If, it, if their sure. demographic's a 14-year-old kid, right. they need to be more gentle in how they discuss it. My demographic's not. Right. And the, certainly people in that room that night were not. Right. And I'm not that. I'm a, you know, if, if, if I have a couple hundred thousand people who from time to time visit my page or buy my record or go to a show that's doing awesome for me and for my band. I can, I can afford that point to pay my guys. Like they can, they can go, you know, all buy houses just off what I pay them at right. that point. You know sure. what I mean? So I don't want to sell myself or anybody else that might be listening and likening themselves to, you know, that level of popularity for lack of a better term. Uh, I don't want to discourage them that they can't reach the top, Yeah, but it's a different job. And, and, if, and so if you Definitely. want that, you have to prepare for that. Right. You don't accidentally become no. a pop star or no. a country star. You don't, man. No. We, I know enough Those people. days are over. Those, those decades ago when right. Bob Dylan could write what he wrote and yeah. become, a, become famous. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. No, it's so... Like, what was a la- who was the last person that got that kind of coverage, went to pop superstardom that didn't fit the mold? I can think of a couple... Uh, Nora, Nora Jones is one of them. Yeah. You're like, where the fuck did that come from? I mean, yeah. She's awesome. Absolutely. I mean, we know her from back in North Texas. I mean, you know, I mean, I didn't know her all that well, but I worked with her a couple of times back then and hung out a few times and she was extremely talented. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now that not a single soul thought she was going to be a pop superstar. Right. Including her. Right. Well, yeah, she, I mean, she had the, the, the DNA yeah. going for her. She but, does. She does. But yeah. she's. She's so unique. I think that that you get. She's not. I don't consider her to be a pop star. Maybe she is, and I don't realize it. Well, she's not in the same way that Katy Perry's a pop star, but she was on the same charts. Right. I'm just going strictly by. Yeah. Like, I'm talking like, yeah. when was the last time that something hit the pop charts or the country charts? Some, some something hugely commercially successful. Absolutely. That wasn't groomed to be there because I can think of. I know I worked with a guy, a producer guy's record, whose drummer is now the drummer and has been the drummer for a while for a very uh, successful country star who I won't mention that every single human being that would hear this in the United States would know. Yeah. Uh, and she was groomed. She had start, she was being groomed for that position for eight years right. before her first big album. Right. For eight years, for almost a decade. Yeah. It wasn't a mistake. She had money behind her, you know, like, I mean, there, there's exceptions. There's a lot, probably more exceptions than like hip hop uh, because, the nature of that community is, is different than, than pop in in a lot of respects. 
Um, you know, and that's the only other thing that like from a money perspective in terms of like commercial success that, that maybe that happens. But even in, in that regard, it's, I think, I think it's few and far between you see somebody that really shakes up the, the whole genre. It, it's, it happens. Yeah. And maybe it even happens once every couple of years. That's still a very small amount of folks. So the, my point is you don't stumble usually into that. No. You know, and so you have to treat it like you treat, you have to treat it like a job. Right. And it is a job and you have to watch your mouth if that's what right. it calls for. And then, yeah. I, and I respect, I respect that. I really do. I, it's not, I'm not giving lip service to them because they're famous. I think that they have a much more delicate responsibility. It's one, and, and to get pretty, to get specific, I think it's one of the reasons why our president elect is making a slew of mistakes. Not because I disagree with him. I do, but not, not because of that, because Someone at that position doesn't shouldn't be tweeting his opinion. Oh man! It just in, John, in general calling John Stewart a pussy at three o'clock in the morning. It just in general, it's just it's just <laughs> it's, it doesn't fit the responsibility for that job. No. You have a much higher responsibility, and you should act accordingly. And you can still maintain all your opinions that we may have di- differing agreements on, but just know, you know, know like have a respect for your position and your and your gig. Okay, and, let me let me say this. Let me ask you this. Just again, playing devil's advocate to what you just said. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you before I say this, <laughs> but the last time we had a new president elect, a new one was eight years ago. Yeah. Where was the state of our social media eight years ago compared to where it is today? That's a good in, question. In terms of reach, Obama has a Twitter. Sure. He doesn't use it like Donald Trump does, right. but he has one. But in this information age, in this social media crazed age, obviously I... I don't really, I don't know enough about a lot of this stuff to really get into it. So I'm not going to say any facts or state anything that I think is going to come back at me. I don't believe that Donald Trump is qualified to do a lot of things he's about to have to do. But the man is, is clearly, clearly has mental issues. You know, I think it's painfully obvious. And I think you give someone with that amount of narcissism, a victory and a Twitter account. And that's what you get. Yeah. It is what he, he attacks Anyone who opposes him, he attacks them, and he's you know why he's so good at it? It's because he's been doing it for decades. Yeah. He is a See, really the, I, good I, I, shit I don't talker. Think, I don't think that he's good at it at all. I just read the New York. I mean, we're getting into a whole other ball of wax here, and it's fine. And I'm I don't want to even address any particular issues. Sure, because I don't either. It doesn't. I, that's I don't. I'm going to say dumb things if I do that. Well, he, here's more than normal. <laughs> I just read the New York Times transcript. He, you know, he the first interview he did was with the Times, right? And I just read, actually, I didn't, I didn't finish reading. I had, to, I had to split before I read the whole thing. I read about three quarters of it. And I don't think he's good at it. I don't think that he's, I don't think that he has uh, the train of thought to, and the, well, <laughs> speaking of train of thought, um, <laughs> in this article, if you, interview rather, if you haven't read it, you know, it's it's the first one. It's a bunch of reporters and and other folks from the time sitting in a room, and probably, ostensibly some of his people too. I think they may chime in from time to time. But and you know, they're asking him a, a bunch of questions. A lot of and I don't. The, as far as I got down into the thing, it wasn't like they weren't hard hitting, you know, right. uh, accusations or anything. They were they were pretty pretty general. And the amount of information. Actual information in any given response was really slim, if any. Mm-hmm. 
all the way down as mm-hmm. far as I got. And so I don't think that it's that he's good at it. I think that when you repeat something over and over and over, certain people start to believe it. Uh, or, or it becomes, look, 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 my, my wife is a great example. If she hears a pop song, and it could be something that I hate. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to just punch kittens when I hear it. <laughs> it's so, you know, like, but, if she, but she's, the perfect, uh, she's the perfect litmus test for a pop tune because she likes that stuff in general, which is, which is fine, and I love my wife dearly, and I, and I trust her opinion. But it, you know, I can't tell all the time, you've heard it. You've heard it 20 times today. That's why you know it and why it resonates with you. And when you say, you know, you look at the way that he responds to any criticism and it's, you know, he'll state something, he'll restate it, and then he'll use the word very and restate it again. I'm not, and I'm not exaggerating. I read this no. 40 times in this one article and I'm not even done with it yet. Yeah. So I'm not saying that he's a good speaker. He's a terrible speaker. He repeats himself. He, he doesn't, he's not a good, he's not a very eloquent man in the sense that Obama is very slick. And smooth and makes you comfortable when he's talking sure. about whatever he's talking. What I'm saying is that he is a good shit talker in the same way that Miley Cyrus is a good shit talker <laughs> because everything she does, you hear about it because it's so outlandish and so crazy. He's sure. a reality TV star and his mindset is that of, of a celebrity who is trying at an older age to stay relevant like a celebrity yeah. and not like a president, not like anyone who needs to be any sort of professional human. Oh no, being. I think you're hundred percent right. And I, that that alone, minus all the fact that he's just spewing blatant lies, right. uh, that alone is enough to to make you raise your eyebrows at, at the outcome. I I, I have had uh, waves of concern through the whole process about lots of things, and not not just him certainly. But my last wave of concern hit this morning when I read this transcript because I started thinking about not just what he might do. I mean, to be honest with you. I, throughout the whole thing, I was far more concerned about, you know, and, and granted, it's a, I think that it really is a small percentage of his supporters who use uh, that, what he, what he said and twist what he said to some degree um, to promote a very xenophobic and homophobic and racist and sexist uh, agenda or point of view. I think it's a small percentage, but they're very vocal. That, that has been one of my main concerns and it, and it, and I think that it's I think that even if you are a supporter of his that's should be a concern of yours because it de- delegitimizes a lot of what he's trying to get across to his supporters mm-hmm. in general yeah. and, and and to his credit in this in this article he he doesn't dig deep into it but he does uh, disavow himself from you know this alt right movement which is I they got to stop using it just use the words white nationalist that's what they are right so but now I have a whole nother wave of concern that I hadn't really even thought about at great length, which is that every single leader of every single country on this planet, if they're worth their salt, they're going to read this article. And they're going to realize in very short order, uh, well, I shouldn't say realize, it's the wrong word. I think that anyone that would read this word for word, what, what he said would come to the conclusion that we're not dealing with somebody who should be at the position he is. And that causes me a great deal of concern about what these other leaders may do yeah. or may think they can do. I've definitely had some semblance of that same thought 
in terms of our very delicate alliances with some very powerful countries and them taking this on and going now might be our chance to to do something that we wouldn't have done otherwise yeah and that may be just sensationalism in my brain but i don't know that well, I mean, there's got to there's probably some credence to that i, I think there definitely is i mean you get you get, if you just a numbers game yeah they, they may not be able to do much about it depends on who they are right but i think that it's a numbers game you know you you've got s- someone out there that's if they're reasonably intelligent and they read this thing and I, and i and i I think that it's wrong. I'll say this. I think that it's wrong to assert that you can, uh, I can tell the IQ of a man by this article. You know, he may be really smart. You sure. know, he may, he may have a really high IQ. He says he does. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I have impressions that I have, but let, let's take that, take them out. I, I don't think that I'm, I think that I'm speaking pretty, uh, nonpartisanly about this particular article, which is the first thing he's done uh, as president-elect relating to that position. I, I don't think that I'm being overly critical about its content. I think that it's very disturbing. Um, just, I, 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 I don't think that he appears to be very smart. Right. Or, or, or well... Uh, well advised. Yeah. I mean, any of it, really. It's pretty, it's, it's kind of becoming my most, my, my my largest concern about the whole thing uh, th- thus far. I, I hope I hope that I'm wrong. I uh, do too. And but if you look at the people that he's surrounded himself with since he's become elect, yeah. and the people that he's planning on employing, it's strange. Not, not looking real fucking good. It's it's strange. It's strange. And it seems like every it's it's kind of it strikes me as a similar uh, to what you just said. It's every, almost every position is. I not necessarily that they're going to be a bad choice. I, I could think that, but. That they are an inflammatory choice. Yes, I mean Petraeus, like he went to jail. Like he yeah. did, he did time. Rumsfeld, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. What's e- he, is he even e- still? E- like, e- guy's like 90 years old. I, I don't know. I, everything, every choice that I've seen so far is kind of. I, I feel like he did Pence, it partially like because it's going to get him a lot of press, bad or good. It's going to be controversial. It's exactly what I said about Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Everything he seems to be doing. Is to perpetuate his celebrity, sure, and not to perpetuate his campaign and his administration, right? Which That's is what I feel which, like, which is which is idiocracy. It is, to life. it is, but it's also true, and and it's funny because he actually mentioned I can't remember what it was uh, in this article in this uh, transcript that he was talking about specifically, but he caught himself and he said something about these you know these people are going to be working for four years dot 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 or eight years like he almost. He almost gave away that he was going to even try to re- run, run right. again because now you've been elevated to the highest celebrity status in the world. Yeah, and maybe that's that's all that he needs to 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 not. I, you know, I, dude, it's I, like playing it's concerning. pick up basketball with someone that's not very good but is really really competitive. Right. They're just going to keep playing until you don't want to play anymore, and right. you let them win. I feel like that's what that's happened. It's me playing any video game. Yeah, I'm terrible. Me too. You will never sleep if you're playing me. You'll have to be up. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just play again. Play yeah. me again. <laughs> Because that's, that's what would happen if he lost. Yeah. You bet your ass we oh, yeah. would have had a million recounts until right. he, until something else happened. Yeah, it's all very disturbing. And, and, the, and the climate around all of it is very disturbing. And, you know, I, I wish I could say I felt we would overcome, you know, that we would we would be the I, – I just – I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm relatively young. Uh, I've only seen – I've only voted for a few presidents in my time. You know, that's how many there have been. And 
couple of won and a few have lost and and uh I don't have a lot to compare you know there there are some other if you go through back through history you can look at some other campaigns that were run uh that were pretty vicious and things were said and things were done and you know but it's a it's a different day and age than any of those and you have to take that into you're trying to speculate about what might happen and, and prepare yourself for what might happen. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like I find myself considering things that I've never, <laughs> never considered before. And just to, just to prepare myself for the, for worst case scenario, protect myself, you know, and it's like, I don't really want to have a gun laying around the house, but man, you know, like all it, all it takes is, is one day's worth of mob mentality before. Oh yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm taking it with a grain of salt and I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be proactive and on the things I can be proactive, you know, cause there's other shit going on. I mean, there's, again, if you, if somebody's listening to this much later in, in time, it, it may not resonate, but you know, there's a, uh, Dakota pipeline business is, is pretty ugly. And, and, you know, I may like Obama, but I think that he's really dropped the ball on that front. And, uh, and I have a handful of friends up there that yeah. are camping and, and joining. Yeah. This is a moment in history that I don't think, I think people are starting to realize that that's what this is. This is, this is people taking a legitimate stand against something yeah. that hasn't happened like that since probably since the sixties. Right. Where people but, have yeah. gathered in mass. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's ugly, man. It's just, it's just, it's pretty look, whether or not you feel like a pipeline is a thing you ought to build <laughs> when, when the pipe, when, when, the plans change uh, to basically move it. It was rejected by a by a majority of white people, mm-hmm. you know, in a in a urban area. Why would you? It shouldn't go anywhere where that's going to be a concern for any group of people. That's just that seems like f- common sense. When you look at the number of of accidents and spills, it's not a risk worth taking. I understand the economics of it. You know, and I'm not I'm not anti oil. I mean, I, I, I think alternative energy, alternative energies and the investment that we make in them are very smart. We're not quite there yet. We, we should be making more investment so we can get there quicker, more quickly. But I'm not you know, I drive every day and you and I both. The, the irony is that we have two gas guzzlers out front <laughs> because we got to carry around our gear, gear yeah. and equipment. But I understand the economics of it. But it's literally a matter of a few cents a gallon profit. Well, you know what? If it's going to endanger people, especially and, and particularly folks that have been so disenfranchised already, yes. How can you, man? You know, I have to ask myself: How do you think you bounce back from that? Um, just on like a social front, who who's going to support you? And then I remember, because nobody fucking remembers. Nobody gives a shit. No, dude, Texaco, Texaco was all up in Hitler's ass. All up in Hitler's ass. I, got, I don't remember the guy's name, but he was, he was pro-Nazi. Right. They gave him oil. He went around embargoes to give oil at a discount. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a shit. Mm-mm. Nobody mm-hmm. gives a shit. And that, you know, I don't give a shit. I probably bought oil. I didn't know this until, you know, there's a great new series, Oliver Stone. Uh, has the uh, secret history of the United States or the forgotten history of the United States, some new thing on Netflix. It's fantastic. And uh, I didn't know that. You know, there's so, there's, so much, <laughs> there's so much terrible shit in the history of the world that you can't know everything. But sure. we're here now. 
Like that we, this is our thing right now. Right. Like maybe, maybe there were folks that should have spread the word that, Hey, by the way, yeah. these are Nazi sympathizers. You probably ought to go down the street to whatever other station and buy your gas from them the year after and then in the six months after and the three weeks after uh, they learned that was going on and they didn't keep it up. The, you know, I don't have the wherewithal, the time. Uh, well, that's a terrible excuse. I don't have the resources to go up there myself. I right. just, I don't. I, I would lose, you know, my house, maybe, and probably it'd be worth it. That's a selfish thing on my front. But I do, I, I can comment on it. Well, I can try to have the conversation, and I can make phone calls. You know, that's been a big thing. People in positions of power don't want to lose it. That's the only thing that, that's going to, I mean, honestly, not to, not to, <laughs> It sounds hopeless to say it that way, but the only, one of the only things that really ch- will change an elected official's mind is if they think they're going to lose their position. Right. Or if they die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Not advocating that. <laughs> no. PSA. Hey, right. Um, and, and so, you We're know. We're make coming it, up on a time of that, though, where a lot of these people who are in power are pushing 80, and right. they're not going to last a whole lot longer. And there will be a shift in our lifetime, uh, hopefully a progressive shift. I hope so too. You know, again, I you know I I don't really adhere to a lot of what people would consider liberal um, ideology. Just simply be, not because I don't necessarily agree with that one thing, but because I because the world is not a stationary bike. Right. You know, there you have to deal with all sorts of things that are that are most of which are not in your direct control. I mean, we've done our best to control as much as we can through mm-hmm. some legal and some illegal means in, the, in this country. But man, there's just a whole lot more. There are environmental things that are happening that we may not have control. There's a lot. There's a, sometimes you, there, there's a reason why we have two big schools of thought across the globe. While we have a more liberal use of government and we have a more conservative use of government, and I would love to return to that conversation, but it's impossible because the words have been completely fucking lost yes conservative means less government and it doesn't mean legislating morality through you know micromanaging laws right. and that's what it's become the, the the conservative in this country to me has come to mean the religious right more of the time than not yes and I, I consider myself a Christian. That's how, you know, I express my spirituality, whatever, you know, people can roll their eyes at that. But I think the separation of church and state is not only a good idea for state, but also for church. You know, you can't, if you're a Christian, right, the big thing about Christianity, the whole, the whole big thing is you, you have free will. That's the whole thing. You don't get to to not have free will, you, you're, it's forced on you. So to try to micromanage morality through your interpretation of an ancient text, even if you believe in some interpretation of that text, seems completely lost. On, it, it's completely lost to me, and it seems ridiculous, because if you, if you don't have free will, then how can you adhere to that Religion. If you're not, if you're forcing someone else to into, if you're preventing someone else from having free will, how are you there? So, I I feel like I would love to say that I'm a conservative because I don't think government should have overreach. But it's a it's a ocean, man. There's there's waves. Shit happens. You change stuff. Mm -hmm. People are at risk. You have to protect your your you know as many people as you can Mm -hmm. if you're in a position to. So, you know, the people in the positions to do that don't do that. 
They look out for themselves and they look out for their monetary interests. Sure. And those are the people that get elected into office and then they find their buddies who are doing the same thing and they appoint them to their positions and then right. they get to trickle down what you and I get to do. That's true. But uh, but uh, if you look at history as a whole and I'm, you know, I mean this if it ever comes to the point where this is a, uh, a hot uh, podcast, people can talk as much shit as they like about this. I would love for people to talk as much about it as possible. But I think that if you look at history, what we would consider to be, I mean, if, if people on the right, when people that are staunchly consider themselves conservative, they look at the left as communists. That's how they see them. Right. And people on the left look at conservatives like fascists. Right. It's essentially the same thing. I mean, it really, it, it, there's so much more middle ground in reality, like in, 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 in the things that we would, I, I believe, in the things that we would allow before we stood up, you know, and actually fought, like physically took a stance. The things that we would allow, I think, are much more in common than they are apart. Because, and that's the reason why we exist right now. It's why we're not engaged in a civil war and a bloody mess. Right. Because we're all willing to accept most of the shit that's going down. There are certain social aspects that we are not. There are pockets of uh, things that, that I, believe, I believe should be happening. You know, Black Lives Matter and things like that. that um, and I mean, things like that, that take it too lightly. That's a, that is one of the, the main uh, resistance is <laughs> resistances uh, that I, I believe in, it. that I believe in. Well, you're not going to, you know, things that you won't lay down for. And, yeah. it, and a lot of that's brought on by technology. We, we, we've been able to prove that there's, it's not equal footing. Right. You're not, you know, and life, no life isn't fair, but the law ought to be. Right. And so I believe, you know, that's right. And that you said it for that, but Aside from that movement and maybe a few others, most of us are willing to deal with a lot of what's going down. You know, you and I have a, a lot of freedom, and and uh, but all this bullshit social commentary from both sides has nothing to do, should have nothing to do with whether you're conservative or whether you're liberal. Or whether that's the the flavor you feel is right today, but you're talking about gay marriage. Who gives a shit? Let I understand. I shouldn't say understand. There are people who feel that morally that's not where they they, they live. I, I happen to think that's an absolutely ridiculous standpoint from a religious or any other perspective. Mm-hmm. But that's what they feel, and that's they're that's their they're entitled to feel that way. Right. To legislate that. Can only come back to harm you. At, at, even feeling that way—that's yeah. what—that's what I don't understand. You know, it's—it's—they—it's. They, they, I feel like a lot of people never play it out. They don't play it out for more than a, a day or a week. Or, you know, when they want something done. Right. Well, this is going to be good for me tomorrow. I had this, like I said, I had this, uh, you know, argument really with uh, about this education thing, and I'm like, you know, it was about vouchers, and yes it may have helped you and you may have been in a, a shitty school system that wasn't performing as well as it should have performed and it may have helped you at that time but can you look at it as a whole the nation as a whole if we're fucking stupid as a whole we will not sustain right we can't it doesn't fucking work because other nations 
hold that in high regard. They, they have a very, you know, a much higher uh, kind of litmus test for, for, for their general population. And so you have to play it through down the line of 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, you know, is if you're fighting for something that you feel should be permanent, which nothing really is, but you feel that, you know. Sure. Permanent in your lifetime. Uh, right. A, 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 a constitutional amendment. Right. You know, like the Electoral College. Everybody's up in arms because Hillary got more votes, popular votes, and they want to dis- dis- dissolve the Electoral College. Well, how many people really know what it's about? How many people have really done the research to understand what Jackson and other, the other framers really meant? God, this, I don't, this has taken a really strange turn. I'm sorry <laughs> to everybody that's listening to this. Uh, I, but I, I feel strongly like, you know, you just, people don't fucking research. They, they don't, you know, I'm sure I'm guilty of it. I'm sure that I'm absolutely guilty of it a lot. And I spew off at the mouth about things I don't know anything about. And I hope that I get schooled every time that that happens. Sure. I didn't know much about the Electoral College. Uh, I've learned a lot in the last couple weeks since the election. And, and because it's concerning. But when I read a, a lot of the Federalist papers, Jackson and other folks, framers that, I think it's a pretty freaking brilliant plan. It wasn't supposed to have anything to do with parties. They were supposed to be free from that. Right. Free from that, you know, you, you have people who are in a privileged position to know more, to have more information or, or more detailed information about the candidates uh, than the general populace does, and you vote for them. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, that's essentially who you're voting for, and then they can in turn... Uh, do the research. I don't, you know, it's a rep- it's a representative democracy. It's what we were set up as, and I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's a bad thing. I, you know, there are a lot of great thinkers throughout history who are fucking absolutely terrified of a true democracy. Because, look, who who ran in in, the, in your last election up in Fort Worth? Who who ran for, uh, you know, board of education? I have no idea. Right. I didn't know a lot of people that were on my thing. And this is probably the first time in my adult life that I actually researched, like, people that were up for, you know, board of directors at Austin Community College. I actually looked, looked them up because I felt guilty. You know, I'm like, oh, this is some. I have a choice in this, and I'm just going to fill in BS. And, 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 and oddly in this, for those positions, it's not partisan. Right. It's not a Democratic or a Republican or a Green. There's right. not, that doesn't exist. No. So you have – the only way is for you to research that stuff. So yeah. I think that, it, you know – I don't think that it's necessarily the right move to say, well, we, we lost by this many popular votes. We should do away with it. I think that the real thing is to go, well, what was the intention? And can we fix, can we bring it back to the original intention? Is it worth, you know, it's just you don't, you're not thinking it through. Because <laughs> regardless of that particular, this particular outcome, two million votes, whatever it ends up being, it's not that big of a difference still, even mm-hmm. with two million votes. It's still... I'm, if, if I'm fighting that from a perspective of not thinking that Donald Trump should be president of the United States, if, if that's my, my stance in fighting the Electoral College, guess what, man? Uh, he still came really close. Right. And it's because of a populist movement. Right. It's because of Twitter and Facebook. It's because of, you know, inflammatory remarks. It's not because the most qualified person will always win. Um, right. So I don't necessarily... I don't really get, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of liberals that are getting on board with that whole thing. Let's do away with it. I, I just, I, I don't find myself on that same page um, right now because 
I, I, I do think that it's a really smart move. You know, I, I, I am not nearly qualified to be president. Sure. Uh, in any regard. No. Whatsoever. <laughs> None. I'm not even qualified to be the guy that sits in a room with 400 or 500 and however many other people and, and make that choice. Not today. If it was my job, maybe I would be. Maybe right. I'd sit down and I'd research. But that's a, that's a huge job, in my opinion. And so when you have state laws that require people to vote the party line that are in that position, I think that should be unconstitutional. Because I think that it's pretty clear from what's in the Constitution and what was written about it at the time that that's not the intent. I have no way to bring this back to music whatsoever. We don't have this. Doesn't have to be about music. This podcast is not about music. This podcast is <laughs> for for musicians to talk about other shit. Yeah, yeah. So what's okay? So speaking to all of that, I figured we'd get into this. Yeah. So speaking to all of that and all of the negativity and all of the, everything that's come up so far, and everything that we can look back and go, that's I'm scared of this or I don't agree with this. It's happened now. So what do we do moving forward? What's your opinion on that? Because I don't really know. Yeah. I, I don't have, do you have kids? I don't. I don't have kids either. Yeah. So I don't worry about that just yet. Right. I'm only 30. I might have kids at some point. But I don't know. It seems like this is not a very well thought out thought that I'm about to give you. So take that with a grain <laughs> of salt. But it's, I don't know enough that even can be done for me personally. I imagine for, for every presidency that's happened since I've been of age, uh, which has only been a couple because I'm only 30. Yeah. And everyone says all this inflammatory stuff like everything's about to change. Your life as we know it is about to change. And it never does. And so I don't know from my personal perspective as a as a very average to low income 30-year-old white male, I don't know if I should be concerned that my day-to-day is about to become different or if I should just kind of hunker down and wait for four years and see what happens in the next one. I'm kind of at this weird impasse. When Obama got elected, I wasn't concerned about my day-to-day life. Sure. I, I, you know, when a new president comes in, there are things that a president can and can't do. A lot of the stuff that Donald Trump said he was going to do, he's already come back and said he wasn't going to do it. And he hasn't even become president yet. He's already turned back on it because he was informed by people who know way better than he does. You can't fucking do that. Sure. You can say that to get elected, but you can't do that. It's like a kid in sixth grade becoming class president saying, we're going to have fucking pizza every day. Right. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> and so I, I feel like in my own head, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with what's happened. I'm very uncomfortable with the, with the inflammatory uh, racism and the very blatant outward uh, just, just mass domestic terrorism that this is causing and uh, that makes me uncomfortable but i don't know i don't know what to do about it yeah and that's a weird place to be in because i feel like there's got to be something that that each individual person can do beyond voting which is what they say that's where your biggest voice is but i don't i don't know well i think uh people that enter that are in any that have any degree of social um, privilege, which being white 
and being male, I, you know, I can't, there's no reason to deny that How dare in, you? In, in, in general that you have, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot more places I can go in this country and feel comfortable uh, than I, than not, you know, and that's, that's a privilege in and of itself uh, when compared to people that have been di- disenfranchised and people that have, uh oh, uh oh, I don't know what this means. It's an Amber alert. Oh no, I've got a session uh, in a, a couple hours. Uh, which is close to an Amber Alert. I, I, I think that, it, I think, well, here, here's what I really, here's my, I don't know the answer to that question. I think that you, you can't turn a blind eye to any of it. And, you know, social media is a megaphone for a lot of people. And, you know, again, you probably preach into the choir and and maybe there's not a lot of real useful back and forth on a lot of those posts but it depends on how you put the information out there too you know there's uh i think that you spread information you know you 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 research it you make sure that it's right even if it supports your platform mm-hmm. and you try to let other people know again you know this is not about forcing somebody who may have a difference of a uh, of a complete uh, opposite view of whatever topic we're talking about, or you know, somebody who feels like there's no social injustice or there's no racial injustice in this country, and that every man is fights for himself and pick up your bootstraps and all that, you know, shit. That, sure. That's all great. That's a great. By the way, I don't disagree that that's what you have to do to be successful. I just disagree that everybody has a has you know a, a, a fair start we're not going to all have the same start that's that's ridiculous no and that's an individual but there's there should be a, there's a baseline basis. when you have a when you have a country the richest country in the world there there's we should all have the privilege at least in the nation of having a baseline of the same starting place that's that's the benefit you get of being part of that system that that propelled so many people to to, to such comfort levels right that's it's a really simple way of of saying it but Here's my problem in trying to answer that question. I believe wholeheartedly that not just Trump, not just Mr. Trump, but plenty of people, some of which I, I may have supported in the past, to be honest with you, uh, don't really give two shits. I don't think that Donald Trump gives a, gives a fuck about illegal uh, immigrants or undocumented Americans or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the politically correct term is for folks who are undocumented here. I don't think that he gives a fuck. I think that all the social, and that's, that's borderline between social and actual political, uh, you know, rhetoric, but the, as, as much as they can keep social commentary at the forefront, you know, and, 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 and I'm, not, I'm not suggesting in any way that, it's, that it shouldn't be. I'm not suggesting in any way that it's not that it's not founded, but the more they can keep things like the pipeline uh, going, like keep keep that fire burning, uh, you know, uh, gay marriage, uh, who gets to piss in what bathroom? These are not small things to the people they affect. They are they're horrible things to the people they affect, but 
for these people, for a lot of people in power, and I think I think Trump and a lot of the folks that he's hiring for his administration are, are some of these people. And I hope I'm proven wrong. Doesn't give a shit. It's a smokescreen so they can do shit that will affect us for decades. Right. You know, trade deals, things that are much more environmental issues, things that are, that are much more concrete in what they're going to mean uh, financially, uh, just economically across the board for our country, um, and it may have social. You know, implications down the line as well. Most things do, but they're not. It's hard to get as you know as um, emotional about uh, a trade deal than it is about somebody getting beaten, you know, on the street by an officer, for instance. Right. That's a, that's a that's a immediate visceral reaction. A trade deal requires that you read. A trade deal requires you understand some details, and no one's going to do that because we're the fucking generation of memes. So the more they can keep that shit there, the longer they can keep that going, the more they can get done that they want to do. And I think that's going to happen. I think that's what's going to happen. And I, so I don't think that it's going to be... I think that it would, it would behoove him to not have all these social things be disasters. I think, I think that... And honestly, I, I, don't understand, I don't understand why Obama isn't taking a more active role in the pipeline thing, given that it's going to be his legacy. I'm sure he has a lot of people telling him all sorts of things to do or to not do. And, you know, like I, I'm not going to, again, I'm not qualified to do that job. However, where, where, where is he? Like, why haven't we seen him speak to this more, you know, it's socially speaking, it's the thing. It is what's happening right now. And it could turn into a, a much bigger mess. My guess is, is that it won't. I, I, I hope for the sake of the safety of, of, you know, everybody involved that it, that it doesn't escalate. However, in the meantime, if they can keep it, if they can keep it just simmering where it is for as long as possible, it's a great smokescreen for all sorts of other shit that's going to get done. And not just that, but, you know, so many other things that are, that are hot topics that are easily, uh, that, that, present themselves in a way that, that, where they're, they're very much on the surface, you know, in terms of the emo- emotion. Um, things, things like trade deals are not like that. Things like most policy isn't like that. Uh, campaign finance reform isn't like that. You can't make one statement, sweeping statement about finance reform that's going to emotionally charge generation. You, you, you can't. So... The, the, the less talk about those things that are, that, that are going to affect everybody for the rest of our lives and beyond, mm-hmm. the more they can handle it on the inside and not, and have, not have, especially with, you know, controlling Congress and hope and probably controlling the, you know, Supreme Court. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, that's a good open-ended answer to that question. Well, I don't what, think what really you can do socially, you can socially, you can just not, you can just not be silent. It, I mean, like if I'm a white guy and I see some shit go down, uh, where my speaking up will have a difference, uh, and, and show people that it's not, that it's not right. Yeah. You know, but, but both sides, if somebody is seeing some horrible racist shit go down, you know, or somebody talking shit in the middle of a store and saying something, just say, you know, that should just be an obligation. That's not, that shouldn't be in response to Trump. That should just be something we, we all are programmed to do as, as 
decent human beings. Because yeah. when you when you ask me that, I'm not thinking about that. Because that's I hope I really hope and I'm, that I'm strong enough to have done that before this election started. I may not be. I hope that I am. I hope that I get better at it. But that's not the real answer. The real answer is you have to fucking know what's in that trade deal. You have to know how it's going to affect you. What other countries is going to be with? I mean, if you. It's not this simple, I understand that, but if, we, if we're going to do business with folks abroad and they have absolutely no uh, respect for the safety of workers, for instance, I don't really know how morally we can make that work. That's, I know that to some people that's going to sound super, super you know, liberal, I don't think it's a liberal issue. I'm, ta- I'm not talking about minimum wage. I'm talking about basic you know, human rights. Right. And we do that a lot. And, and I'm a total cunt. I'm a to- I absolutely, I, I got machines here that were made in China. Sure. Absolutely. I don't really want to have the choice. I don't want to have all the crap I have if it means that. You know, I, would, I would rather, I would vote against my own personal interests in a heartbeat. Uh, you know, it would make my life a little less comfortable. I would love the chance to be able to vote for that. And I, and I, I know I'm a hypocrite. In the I, interest of human decency. Yeah. In the interest of basic human decency. But, you know, and, and there's no excuse. There's no excuse for my hypocrisy. There's no excuse why I haven't researched, you know, all the chips and these things. You know, I, I didn't think about that when I purchased all these. And I'm sure there's there's tragedy in this room in terms of that <laughs> stuff. I, you know, I, I know. Well, that's the but American privilege that Alan Stone's is. singing yeah, about. It's, it's blindness. Exactly It's, it's blinders. And, and um, well, we I can't, guess... We can't escape it all at once. But no. I, but, I, but I think, you, you know, you have to be somewhat diligent when these things come up. It's just... Yeah, I think that's the bottom line, is, is everyone has a voice. People, people like you and, and me, to a lesser degree, have a voice that reaches a little bit farther... Then it's a lesser degree, but you know what I'm saying? You, but we have, we have a voice and that's our, it's your, it becomes your duty at that point to stand up for what you believe in. And, and I don't know you and I, like I've said before, you and I align on a lot of things and, and I, I appreciate your, uh, very eloquent statements on a lot of this stuff in, in terms of being a very educated person about what you're talking and I think that that's something that is rare these days. And I think that that's a real issue. Like you said, with the, the era of, of memes, we, that's, that's entirely true. And it's terrifying. Buzzfeed articles that they have these inflammatory titles that generally aren't even really about what the article oh, is about. Did you see the one yesterday? I, I, I avoid that like the plague. Oh, dude. I got into somebody wetting well, his ass, but uh, sorry if you're trying to wrap this up. But this, the, just, to, to put a, a specific to your point, yesterday Buzz, I saw a Buzzfeed uh, video. And it was a very poignant video, and it was actually something that, w- that had circulated before, and I, I can't remember the names, but uh, there was an interracial couple, um, black woman, white man, and Trump started running, and he started getting more and more uh, free with his um, borderline racist comments until where it got, it got really pretty staunch. And she videotaped him, and... Uh, videotaped him. She recorded him on his fo- on her phone. She got the camcorder out. How and, old? Are I know, you? right? Uh, and 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 it circulated. You know, it circulated quite a bit. I I hadn't seen it uh, until yesterday when BuzzFeed uh, repackaged it uh-huh. with the story, 
right? They were writing, you know, kind of what was going on, and, uh-huh. and she's talking. She all all the parts that she provided were, of course, legitimate. They were it was her life. She was telling it right along. But bus, so, so they had to submit this. Somebody had to write the script. Somebody had to type it in. Somebody had to approve it. It was like you know such and such told the story, and then it said she drove to her parents' home. 15,000 miles away. That's what it said on the screen. <laughs> That's like an Onion article. Dude. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It was 18,000 miles. 18,000 miles away. The <laughs> circumference of the earth at the equator is about 24,000 miles. Yeah. I'm like, unless she drove a boat. Yeah, she's got one of those. She, it probably converts. wasn't. Like, I'm like, and that's stupid. It's a small thing. But the problem is it delegitimizes that story to a, maybe not. To most people, maybe most people either just gloss over it. They don't really have a concept of mileage, right? Or they wouldn't. They would know it's an it's a it's an error. But this wasn't like in the small print. This was like you know when they blast it on the whole screen and yeah. it takes up half the screen. It delegitimizes the story uh, to a to a small degree. And if and if even if it even if it falls in line with what you feel you're fighting for or what you should stand up for, or whatever, like you still have to hold media and other people, even your friends to account yes. when, when you feel like they're wrong. Because, I mean, most of the time, they don't know. It's not, it's not an egregious error that they're trying to push. I, I, don't, I don't think most people on either side of the fence, in any regard, are trying to spew lies. I think that's the media's job. Right. You know, and I say media, I mean all the small meme makers and all that shit, too. But sure. um, I don't think most, most people want to do that. They, wanna, they want to stand behind this thing they found as fact. But you, if it's a critical thing, it, you know, that 18,000 miles, not necessarily critical. It wasn't really, the story still stands. No, but it completely delegitimizes yeah. the rest of right. any point that they're trying to make. Right. You have to second guess the entire article. If BuzzFeed puts the word, uh, puts the words a billion dollars, I have to think, is it a million dollars? Yeah. Is it, is it $20? What do you mean by a billion? Right. Yeah. I mean, is it, are you just being, was that taking some artistic freedom with the, like, <laughs> yeah. I literally, yeah. I, I'll never, not that I ever did. I would never look at something called Buzzfeed and, and think that it was going to be legitimate news. But <laughs> if somebody did and they didn't know better to check the stuff, that's, you know, I mean, there's tons of reports. That's, that's how people get their news. They get their news on Facebook. Oh yeah. It's not bad. There's legitimate stuff that's on there. No. But it becomes an echo chamber. Yeah. Right. For, and and a lot of those guys can go unchecked because they can delete comments that disagree with what they're saying. Sure. And then you can have a thousand comments going, This is the most correct thing I've ever heard. Right. Yeah. And it just I mean, dude, you know I don't know where it ends. I, I think you're right when you said about, you know, every time they say life's gonna change and, and it doesn't really. And and it might not this time around, but it it already has through the course of the election to a lot of extent. I don't think that it was loan in the election. Obviously, a lot of social things that, that have been happening over the last five years happened completely free of that element. Mm-hmm. But it certainly brought some of that to uh, to more in, in, in better focus. Yeah. So I, I do think it's different, and I don't know where it goes, and I don't know what we can do. I think that you have to, you know, you have to take that stance where you're you're ready to. Yeah. At some point, and this is a terrible thing you have to think about, but every generation before us, pretty much, in the history of our country, um, has had a moment where they had to go, oh, now we have to fight. And, that, and our generation had that too, to some extent. I mean, not to take anything away from service folks who, who went to Iraq and went, oh, sure. but that was a much less, uh, the, the, the public support for those and the public well really the public understanding of those fights i think was wasn't as as uh 
deep and it wasn't as solidified. Uh, the support wasn't as solidified as, as World War II, for instance, right. uh, you know, or right. Korea or whatever, you know, what, they, they, they were so every, you know, we like to think because we've lived our lives, you, know, you and I, I um, well, I shouldn't say you and I. I've, I haven't ever served, so I don't have, I don't have, I'm either. I don't have uh, anything to say, right? I, it's, it's pe- people that have, they, they have, they can, they can talk about this and, uh, and have some legitimacy. My, my belief is that um, we shouldn't, because I haven't had to, you know, go to the draft, I haven't uh, had a battle on my, my doorstep, we get, you get comfortable, Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not, I'm not saying everybody is again, white privilege, my white male, sure. Now suburbia privilege or whatever. I've got it. I've got it in space. This is the epitome of the suburbia. Yeah. Right here. Oh, I yeah. didn't realize this was so far off the highway. Yeah, dude. I don't want to live in the city at all. <laughs> well, you've accomplished so, right. that. So, but you know, um, there comes a point where you may have to fight. Sure. Like, you know, whether that means standing up on Facebook and being socially conscious in your so in your social media life, or it literally means that you have to protect somebody else for, for one of many reasons. You know, there are some people who just don't connect to, they don't have sympathy or empathy as much as somebody else. That's not a, a fault necessarily. No. People need, you need people like that to maintain the human race, I suppose. But even for your self-interest, if you're a history fan, you can look and you can see written plainly where someone didn't stand up for another group that they didn't feel they, they, they felt that they were going to be okay. They were going to get through this and their group was going to be okay. And it came back to them eventually. Right. I mean, you know, world war two is a, is a great example, but there's lots of examples throughout history. Yeah. And, and so even if you don't, even if you don't feel like it's your place to fight for some other group, if you really section off yourself in that way, um, I, I would hope, someone wouldn't but even if you do if it's just self-preservation you got to look at the bigger picture and and understand that you know if somebody's right if somebody's being told that they have to register because of their religion or because of their nationality or because of this or that um if they have to go to to steps beyond me right to just be a citizen right or, or to exist and freely choose right if i mean there are there are a lot of i'm not suggesting that you don't take precaution of course you have to take precaution but if you have another individual who is a citizen and they're, they're being scrutinized more closely because of some characteristic, you know, some adjective that precedes their name, that's fucked up. And it, and it, it, was, it is a blight not only to our system and to our constitution and to our way of life or whatever, the American way, Superman, all that shit. It's also a direct present danger to you. Even if you don't have that kind of sympathy or empathy, even if you don't make, you know, uh, fight for what's right, even if it's not a comic book, in your own self-interest, that is going to come back around. Because it's one less, it's one less uh, obstacle to your own liberties. That's how I, you know, I mean... That's a good point. And I've seen that point made uh, in, in, terms of, in terms of, you know, one of those uplifting which ended up not being very uplifting types of memes where they say, well, I didn't stand up for gay rights because I'm not gay. I didn't stand up for, for civil rights because I'm right, not right. black. Yeah. 
And then when it, when finally, when I'm being persecuted, no one stood up for me because there was no one left. Right. You know what I mean? And that, uh, that is cheesy and very corny in that way, but I get it like that. That stuck with me. Right. The, the point of that stuck with me. I think there's probably a better way to say it, but you know what I mean? You, you just, you have to think on a lot, a lot more of a humanistic level. And I I don't think a lot of people do that. And I think that this country uh, very specifically in the last six or eight months has been so divided and to the point where, where red and blue won't even talk to each other. It's true. They won't even speak to each other. And that's terrifying to the point where if you just think about basic human nature decides that if you're not with me, you're against me. And, right. and these people now become your en- your countrymen now are your enemy. Yeah. I feel like and a lot that, of people feel that way. And that psychologically creates a whole new list of issues that are going to be unresolved until they are resolved. And that that re- resolution is going to come very violently. Probably. Yeah. I mean, that, that's probable. I think I don't even think it's possible. I think it's, probable. I do too. And that's, that is a very, it's also scary based thought. in full on privilege. Yeah, because you haven't had uh, any direct threat in your life to, to 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 judge it by. Right, you haven't. You know, you can't look at you no know, gay folks. That's a that's a that's a you know that's a direct present danger to my way of life. Well, right. that's you only feel that way because you actually haven't had one. You actually haven't been in danger ever. Right. You know that's it's ridiculous. Like it's it's like a cat freaking out about you know a, a potato. They don't know what it is, right. so they freak out. But you know, if, you know, hilarious YouTube videos. Yeah, absolutely. Is it no? It's a lemon. It's no. a can. It's a cucumber. Cucumber, right? Yeah, hilarious awesome. videos. Absolutely. Sorry, but it's the why. same concept. <laughs> yeah, it's I, the exact same right. concept. So, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter because we, you know, we obviously see eye to eye. So the, the discussion's a little bit, you know, it's it's inner choir. But I, so I, I just hope that, like, I hope it doesn't take a massive uh, external or internal threat to, to bring us back to a, um, to a more sane discussion about the social issues. Because until we, I think that as a nation, until we um, kind of get some of these resolved that none of the, none of the structural stuff in terms of the law you know, because I, I, I mean, I think that our, our criminal justice system needs overhauling in a big way. Sure. I think it's a huge issue. I think it's responsible for a lot of the social issues. But until we at least get a Band-Aid on some of these social issues, we can't really address those other things. Not, we, we, they won't be in the forefront, right? So, yeah. so what, do you, what do you do? I, I, you know, I mean, in, in the meantime, you have to be diligent uh, from a social standpoint and try to, try to understand the other side as best as you can. You know, I don't think everybody's just an evil racist. I just think that when they haven't had to deal with that in their lives, uh, when they when it's not something that that they <laughs> that they know on any sort of personal level, mm-hmm. that they skim over it. And when, when it becomes when it's somebody else's main thing, like it's you know it's it could be the worst thing in the world for a dancer to you know to have a the wrong size shoe, right? Right. But I don't really want to hear about it for eight months, right? But if it keeps on happening and they keep on talking about it and I get annoyed by it, you know, I mean, if that, it's, that's a terrible, terrible uh, way to describe it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if it's that foreign of a thing to some people, and it is. I mean, yeah. there's some people that don't know anybody who they, who they know was discriminated against. They don't know anybody. They're, they've lived a very, uh, sheltered's the wrong word, but, but maybe uh, insulated, insulated life. Uh, you know, and you see it. You can see it in polls. 
where it is in the country. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I've, I lived in Nebraska. You know, I lived in parts of, of Michigan where uh, in, in certain rural parts where there were literally no people of color. Right. Or very, very, very few. I right. don't say literally. I didn't know everybody in the county, but right. very few. And so I think that it's entirely possible for people to have that frame of, and they get annoyed. And that, from my perspective, that's awful that you would get annoyed by somebody else's rights being trampled upon. Right. But if they don't understand the severity or that, that it's actually going on, they haven't seen it. They haven't seen it They're, you know, or they ignore. And now that, you know, they can choose to maybe ignore it. I don't really, you know, it, it's hard to say how can you, how can you ignore it in this day and age, which is why it's where it is now yeah. discussion, because it's hard to ignore. You see video. Yeah. It's hard to ignore it when you can actually make that connection right, right. then. It's not a story. Um, yeah. Well, I would say the overall the overall theme behind this this second half of this discussion <laughs> would definitely be that people if you're if you're listening and you're feeling weird about what we've talked about, do your research. Yeah. Don't be afraid to sit down and read an article that makes you mad. Yeah. Check out your side of it as much as you check out the other side of it sure. and formulate a little, uh, formulate a legitimate thought on legitimate reason as to why you feel the way you feel about things. Uh, I've tried to do that. I know that you have. And I think that that's the only real way to to see everything from a, a more of a global perspective. And that's the only way to, to try to produce some sort of legitimate, positive sure. step forward. That's what I would say would be the most. And that's something that I, I'm, I'm terrified to think that majority of people won't do and don't do. Right. And they just spit out these these things that they heard someone say and they didn't fact check and they didn't and they're just going along and, and that's that's that's, that's we're the going back to the world i know and it's and i <laughs> I, I you would think in this crazy information age that we live in that it would be the opposite of that but it's just well, not it's a, it's everything's a lot to take in i mean I, I i don't i think it's probably i don't really know like how not every you're not going to take 80 percent of the population and have them understand 50 percent of the of the uh, policies that you know, policy changes that are that are being uh, offered up, right? That, that that it's ridiculous. The just sheer amount of paperwork alone would be uh, probably impossible, right? You know, to to understand in a given cycle, of election or whatever. Uh, so I don't really I don't know the answer to it, but I, I do know that there are ways to engage in meaningful discussions, even if you don't come to a conclusion. And I have a a really good friend who is. Uh, more libertarian than anything else, I think, you know, and I, there's things I agree with in that. And there's things I really disagree with in that, but we've had a lot of great discussions. And the thing that we've come to, uh, and, and when you talk, when you with a libertarian, you're discussing policy, right? You're not just, you're almost not discussing any, any social issues at all because the, a lot of their, it seems, and I don't mean to put words in my mouth, but it seems a lot, uh, of those social issues, uh, are secondary or maybe tertiary mm -hmm. and they're probably right in some, in some regard, there's a way to look at it that way. But my, my last point that I'll make is this, we'll, we'll have these discussions about all sorts of things, all sorts of policy issues, social issues, and more often than not, the thing, the conclusion we come to is there's more than one right answer, right? There, there's Always. more than one way to play G chord. Yeah. There's more than one way to, to, to write a song. There's more than one way to do almost anything that will get you to a uh, agreeable place. And 
you have to give the op- you, you don't have to give another you don't have to give a solution opportunity to 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 see to see it through but you should give a, a, the explanation a, a shot yeah you know you you have to listen to why somebody if somebody says oh i don't like black people I'm not a fan of the jew like that's that's a pretty cut and dry decision like you're a pretty fucking terrible person and we're done right but that's not the majority of people the majority of people i i, I think that i've talked with that don't agree with my side of things necessarily aren't that person you know they're either um they either have a a concern in their life like a a problem in their life that has eclipsed anything that has to do with somebody else right right? they're people that, that suffer a lot of shit and sometimes that shit is in direct opposition to things that we might think is good i mean you you can look at man they're they're there were white folks, poor white folks, who got the raw end of some of Kennedy's, you know, most uh, celebrated civil and social uh, changes. They got a shitty end of the deal, you know. And as a whole, white folks were doing fine. But there are individuals who did not. And, and I, my, some of my family, you know, my going back quite a ways, they suffered during that time uh, just because of the particulars, right? And they may hold a grudge or they may see things differently because it was that was a huge thing to them. Yeah. That's a huge, that changed their life right. forever. And it changed their family's life forever. So it's not always cut and dry. Like, I'm not going to say that you're a shitty person just because uh, this concerns you more than that. But... If you, don't have, if you don't have that discussion, you're going to have a really hard time understanding what we can do to find common ground. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, the, the, the other side of that, the first person you brought up is a lot louder than the other person. That's true. And that's, that seems to be a really big issue, is that when you think about the right being, being racist and really? being you know, horrible people and all this stuff, xenophobic and all this stuff, I don't believe, honestly, that, that that is a characteristic of the far right. I believe that that's all you get because those are the people who are, are the loudest. Sure. It's, those, it's a, probably a small percentage of that group that really is all the way in. But like, particularly now because they're using it as, as, yeah, a, as, a, as a springboard right. for sure. Yeah. And, but I don't, I try, and maybe this is just me trying to put on rose-colored glasses, but I, I really try to believe that it's not like that. But the, the, I understand that the, the people that I hear the most are that way. Right. But that's just because they're the loudest. Right, well, it's, also the, that it's also the most in entertaining coverage. Exactly, and that's what, that's what a lot of this has become. And, you know, I think that we can probably talk about this for another three hours. Yeah, I got to go to a session. I know you got Yay! a session and I got another <laughs> podcast to do. Well, so. I, hey, can I, can I, I'd like to add one more Please thing do, to yeah. the end of this to lighten the mood somewhat. It is really weird to talk to somebody who's talking through a windscreen and yeah. not being able to see their mouth move at all. Yeah. Like it's totally weird. <laughs> it's really fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's part of this whole deal. I, I don't want you to see There's my no whole visual face. cues. No. I have to actually listen to the words. I can't. That I can't, sucks, yeah, doesn't it? I can't read Having the lips a or real conversation. It's crazy. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate Dude, it. hey, thank you for coming on and, and doing this. I, I knew that this was going to be interesting. We talked about a lot of cool stuff. And thanks for letting me in your house out yeah, here dude. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I really appreciate it. So yeah, do you have man. anything you want to plug? Man, uh, not particularly. You know, we're, we're actually taking a little time off to record. And what, you know, there's a. Uh, 
There's always plenty of content online. Um, yeah. Mingo will kick back up if this airs before then. We're, we're, we're going to uh, airs. I don't know if that's right. I'm going to have this. Up. I'm going to have this up by tomorrow. Oh well, then it will. Uh, if if you happen to be in, uh, we're doing like a uh, get the fuck out of 2016 party. Yeah. The December 30th in Austin and just in and New Year's Eve in San Antonio. That's kind of the theme. Just a big party and uh, you yeah, know, bring bring your smiles and your dance. So mingofishtrap.com or what? Mingofishtrap.com, Facebook slash mingofishtrap. If you search for that, you'll you'll find us. I will Instagram, say very stuff. personally that they they have a back catalog that you need to check out because it's. Thank you, bro. I've been a huge fan for a long time, and I try not to gush over you when we hang out because that will ruin <laughs> our relationship. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, but definitely check it out. It's awesome, especially if you like, if you know about my band and you don't know about their band, my band was modeled clearly <laughs> after their band. Oh, so man. they're like a more, they're a better version of what we do. Ah, oh, man. I, I appreciate you, you saying the kind of words, <laughs> you're a motherfucker too. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, if you guys have stuck around this long, thank you for listening. Uh, Slightly Chewed Podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe and rate. And I've got two more of these going to happen in the next 24 hours. So be on the lookout for more episodes. And thank you guys for listening.